T'was the night before opening night, and throughout every park, not a creature was stirring, there wasn't even a bark. The jerseys were hung in the clubhouse with care, in the hopes rising prospects would soon be there. Mascots were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of hijinks danced in their heads. And Mama with her glove, and I with my cap, ready to emerge Thursday from our long winter's nap. When out on the field there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bleachers to see what was the matter. Away toward the fence I flew like a spark, and what my eyes saw was no longer the dark. The lights lit the top of the newly cut grass, waiting, just waiting, for grounders to amass. When what to my wandering eyes did appear? New looks, new logos, and the freshest new gear. With a lineup card in his hand and a pretty loud lip, I knew in a moment he must be the skip. More rapid than Ricky, his players, they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now first base, now second, now third, and shortstop. On outfielder, on starter, on closer, and backstop. To behind home plate, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. Fans shuffled in, turning their heads up high. My eyes, they took in a perfect baseball sky. So each to their seats, the spectators they flew, with the team into place, and the food vendors too. Dogs poured in also, each one with a woof. To the treats, to the game, they ran in a hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, out from the speakers, the anthem did sound. The mascot was dressed in fur from head to toes, rooting for the home nine to defeat their foes. A box full of hot dogs the vendor kept to his side, preparing to sell out while the game was still tied. Highlights on the big board, they twinkled how merry. Then came the bloopers and the critters so hairy. Players' faces lit up, their eyes all aglow, knowing the first pitch meant one step toward the show. Each pregame picture, big smile showing teeth, the fans could barely contain their excitement underneath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he danced like a bowl full of jelly. Another bobble had acquired, he thought to himself, where will this one fit on my shelf? Every style, every color of thread, every style to fit on top of your head. I turned to a player, but he went straight to work and took infield ground then turned with a jerk. Pointing his finger, it was me he chose, playing catch and practicing throws. He turned back round to his teammates, gave a shout, but no one was there, not a player or scout. Though it had all been a dream, I knew an end was in sight. Baseball's back tomorrow. Happy opening night! Happy opening night! the baseball that I normally hold during uh, this show so you know that we've started recording because uh, it turns out that I always do that. Although thankfully, normally I drop it onto my desk and you can hear it clattering around uh, over the microphone and I dropped it uh, onto the floor before we started recording today. So that means baseball season is here and it's going to be a good year. It's like uh, Punxsutawney Phil. I was going to say, that's like the inaugural ball drop, right? Yeah, like basically. It's like Times Square, but yeah. not exciting or cool uh, or with people watching. But other than that, it's exactly like Times Square. Right. The inaugural ball drop of the 2019 baseball season. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the show before the show, the official podcast of minor league baseball from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Mon. His name is Sam Dykstra. And joining us today, it is the opening day megacast. And we are joined by our megacast colleagues from seasons past and present and future. Kelsey Anakin in New York City, along with Sam. Hello, Kelsey. Hey, Tyler. And, uh, and our one participant via phone from the West Coast Bureau of MILB.com, our, uh, our Pacific uh, Bureau Chief, is Josh Jackson. Hello, Josh. Hello, Tyler. Are you not on the phone as well? Are you in New York? No, I'm, well, I'm, in, I'm on Skype. I guess I should have clarified. I got you. I got over, you. I got uh, you. Over an internet uh, connection. And you're, you know, in a very, a very Josh Jackson way. It's a, it's a throwback. Josh is the, he's always got our good historical things. Uh, and he's the one in on the phone today. 
He's on a landline, correct? I'm, I'm on. No, I'm actually not today. I, I, I kind of, I've, I've kind of phased out the landline, but uh, we can pretend that it's you know a, a rotary, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the phone booth a, on the street if we want. He's got a zoot suit and a fedora <laughs> with, a, with a press placard stuck into the side. That's what Josh is doing today. The same way Sam and I wear uh, our tuxedos for the Milby episode. Josh has got his opening day 1940s wear on. It's, it's very good. It's all very exciting stuff. Josh, by the way, um, big breaking news from MILB.com. Josh Jackson now has a dog. Um, so if you don't already follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Jackson MILB, every once in a while you might get a, a Cali picture. That's the dog. And uh, she is awesome. So what is she doing right now before we start recording? Uh, she's chewing on um, a piece of elk. It's not hide, so I don't really, you know, they, they hide is dogs can't digest it turns out so um they make these toys that are like hide not mm-hmm. toys it's like not a food item and not you know uh not a toy but something they chew on and, yeah. it and keeps digest them occupied. it's a chew keeps them occupied or not yeah a chew okay a chew the noun the noun chew <laughs> you learn all these new things when you get uh when you get a dog so follow josh follow kelsey follow samuel and uh we'll get started on this week's episode of the show as we kick off the 2019 minor league baseball season with the opening day show and uh as we have done in seasons past we're going to talk about uh, a whole bunch of things around the minor leagues from our most intriguing lineups and rotations teams breakout prospects we'll give you some projections as to rookies of the year in the american and national league home run award winners the joe bauman home run award and uh, as we did last season, we will try to project who the top prospect will be on opening day of 2020. We all guessed coming into 2019 as well. Now, Sam, do you have our guesses from last year? Uh, not handy. Okay. Uh, not for the so Bauman Award? Fine. No, for, like for top prospect or the Bauman Award or Rookies of the Year. That's fine because I know I got all of mine wrong, so I don't need to... Oh, yeah. But we do have to point out that Josh Jackson did project Casey Golden of the Colorado Rockies organization to be a Bauman Home Run Award winner. And even though I think he finished one off the lead, Josh has never let me forget that over the (laughs) offseason. It's true. I I think that was my number one suggestion for a story for you to do in Rockies camp was uh, (laughs) a a, a picture about about what – what allowed Casey Golden to come so close to Matt to hitting Josh Jackson's projection for him? <laughs> it wasn't going to be a story about like, oh, you had a great power season. What was that? It was going to be a story about no, like, no, no, no. You were predicted. People don't want to read win- that. <laughs> You're predicted to win this by one of our writers. What did that mean to you to have Josh Jackson's endorsement going into 2019? Um, that's, that's what people want to read. <laughs> I know I picked Aloy and then he was hurt, and now he's in the big leagues. So whatever. He didn't, he didn't win it, and I got it wrong. I don't know if I've ever gotten a single thing right in any of these opening day podcast predictions that we've done. But, uh, you know, that's why we do them, because uh, talking about and yelling about sports is fun, and being wrong is that's the name of the game when you're projecting things in sports. So let's, uh, let's kick things off. We're going to dive in first with the most interesting lineup in minor league baseball to get things started in 2019. Um, I'm going to let you guys go first. We're going to have uh, Kelsey and Sam kick us off in, uh, in whichever order you guys would like to go. And then Josh, and then I'm going to go last because I'm going to just pick off one of your answers and use it for my own because you guys are smarter okay. than me. All right. Well, Kelsey has just been pointing to me the second you said 
I guess the guys in New York are going to go first. And Kelsey's like, that means you're going first, so I, I will go first. Two is my favorite number. That's clear. the only reason why I chose it. Yeah. So for most interesting lineup for me, this is almost a team I, I chose for most interesting team, but I'm, I'm going to keep here just for the lineup and focus on that, is Double A Tulsa in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization. Um, this is a team that actually won a Texas League title last year. Uh, we had Gavin Lux, who was going back to Tulsa, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago uh, this offseason. But it's not just him. He's coming off a breakout 2018 season. They, they return a lot of guys to that team. Uh, Kabert Ruiz is back in Tulsa after spending all the season there last year. He split time to begin the year with Will Smith. Will Smith is now at OKC. Uh, it's Ruiz's show to run. Probably could have gotten, you know, the push to AAA, but again, they want him playing every day. Um, you know, he's still super young. I think he's going to be 20 this season. Um, so what can he do after getting a foundation of AA ball? That'll be really cool to see. How can Lux build off his breakout 2018? Can he continue hitting for power at the AA level? That'll be cool. DJ Peters, one of the most fun players we've covered over the last couple of years. Going to strike out a ton. I get that. But he when he runs into a ball, I think he was my pick actually last year. Uh, for the Bauman Home Run yeah, Award, I think you're right. Didn't didn't quite get there, but he can. You know, he's capable of hitting 25 homers a year. So stick him in the middle of the lineup. That'll be really neat. Christian Santana. Um, I think he's going to play mostly third base, but he could play either corner of the infield. Omar Estevez on that team as well. I expect Jaron Kendall to be up in Tulsa at some point. Uh, he's starting out the year at Rancho Cucamonga. He was a first round pick of the Dodgers a couple years ago. Uh, Toolsy, whenever he puts everything together super fast uh could work at the top of that lineup um this is just one of those lineups this is it's going to roll over you know you, you, what we want in a pick like this is somebody or you know some lineup that every spot you're going to be kind of afraid of every spot there's a prospect that we're going to be following it's also ch- checks all of those boxes and as if the dodgers you know need another batch of prospects or position player prospects specifically um you know coming up through the ranks to have a group like this at double a is is really exciting um so i'll be keeping a close eye on them to begin the year especially ruiz i I think you know he's got all the capabilities to be a really good hitter didn't quite show it last year um because again he was super young and they thought so much of him to push him to double a uh for his age 19 season this year again you know switch hitter I think he's capable of hitting for a pretty good average, hitting with a little bit more power than he showed last year, 12 homers in 101 games. Uh, So what does the complete version of Ruiz look like? I think we're going to find out real quick and then compliment him with guys like Lux and Peters. And that's that's the type of lineup that excites me. And I think that's the lineup that is going to excite a lot of other people. Kelsey, who did you pick? And I'm looking at yours. I think I yours might actually supersede mine, but anyways, go go ahead I, with your I will reason. say I do like Tulsa, and I we will revisit Tulsa. We will revisit yeah. that. Um, but I'm going with the newly minted AAA uh, San Antonio that's now with Milwaukee, and they used to be a Double A affiliate of the Padres, so that's going to take some getting used to. But I went with San Antonio because I just couldn't say no to a lineup that features Keston Hira and Corey Ray. Uh, Keston is player every night he's doing something uh, you know he has a 70 grade hit tool which pretty few guys have especially in the top 100 um he finished last year as the afl mvp so after a long season i believe it was his first full season so he kept going um and then Corey ray who was the southern league mvp last year and i believe he was the first player in the southern league to lead the league in both homers and stolen bases so he could it's a double threat there 
also in the outfield. So they're both exciting. Then they also have Dubon and Urseg, Nottingham, Troy Strokes Jr., Tyrone Taylor. I mean, again, it'll mostly be Keston and Corey Ray, and we'll see how long they're even there. They could even, you know, have a couple big months and then be called up to Milwaukee. I don't know. But I just can't look away from this lineup, but I know it's going to be a, a game that we're watching almost every single night. Josh, take it away. All right, I've got – are you – Sam, you especially, I would like to be sitting down for this. I've got a team here with no top 100 prospect wow. position player. Wow. Um, I'm talking about the Bees of Salt Lake who play in the AAA Pacific Coast League. Um, this, you know, here we have some guys coming back to the league who are already uh, – who have already hit pretty pretty well in AAA and who are going to be, you know, continuing to, to play in Salt Lake. And, you know, whenever they go on the road and are not in uh, Salt Lake, they'll still be in the Pacific Coast League, um, which is, you know, a favorable circuit for hitters. Um, and we're, this is an Angels affiliate. Um, and, the you know, the, the names that really made me go, okay, this is this is a lineup that's going to put up a lot of runs and be an exciting lineup to pay attention to every night. Are um, Luis Rangifo is 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 go- heading back there? Matt Size, um, Jared Walsh, uh, Jose Rojas, Taylor Ward is not um, technically a prospect any longer, I think, but he, you know, he was one of the two or two or three best hitters in the in the minor league last year. I believe he was the fan vote for the. Um, the Milby Award for Best Offensive Player. All of those guys, those goes, those guys are all headed to uh, the Salt Lake out of the gate. Um, they'll open there tomorrow, um, and then it's also a, a team that you know you can you can kind of see um, maybe Marsh or uh, Brandon Marsh or, or Jemai Jones popping in there at some point before too long, and. The, the, I think that's an exciting group too because it it has a chance to you know show that the Angels do have some some quality depth in that system, but behind you know their their biggest minor league stars Adele and Martian Jones, I, I'd say really, and obviously Griffith Canning too. Um, so that's that's my pick. That's an interesting one. Um, mine is is maybe some low hanging fruit, but uh, and I'm sure we'll revisit it as we uh, move into most intriguing team for 2019. But the Buffalo Bisons um, come into opening day in 2019. They don't have a healthy Vlad Guerrero Jr., but they do have Bobichet, the second ranked prospect in the Toronto Blue Jays organization, and they get some guys back on that roster who. Actually, it kind of surprises me, um, at least in one case, still listed among the prospect ranks. Anthony Alford, friend of the show. Uh, Anthony Alford and catcher Reese McGuire, Alford the outfielder. Um, both of those guys are uh, top 30 prospects in the Blue Jays organization. Kevin Biggio is a top 10 prospect in the Blue Jays organization. He's also on that roster. And they will get Vlad eventually when Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets healthy. He's going to go to AAA. Um, I would be stunned if we see him there for too long, but coming out of an injury, you never know if he starts a little bit slowly. Um, Maybe the Blue Jays choose to be more patient with him than uh, what people would have expected starting 2019. But that, to me, was the most interesting lineup last year. 
crushed everything in the Eastern League, um, and I think it's going to be the same way for at least as long as that group is together in the International League, and that's kind of the key. Those guys could make moves quickly if they get started hot, um, so keep an eye on Buffalo, and if you're in that area, get out there quickly. Um, most Tyler, one thing to add quick to that yes. just before we get too far. Um, that Buffalo team is going to be fascinating, but one guy you mentioned, Anthony Alford, is actually already up in Toronto. Oh. Then I um, uh, then I I lied to all of you and I apologize. Well, no, it, I mean that's the thing about the AAA level yeah. and this right. will come up. I'm sure he was on times. their their announced opening day roster. But yeah, that right. stuff it was that yesterday changes. afternoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with the pretty quickly, with, um, Kevin Pillar getting moved to San Francisco, a lot right. of people thought that was to make a move to free up some space for Anthony Alford. Now. Anthony Alford, the last three years, has continually bounced between right. Toronto and Buffalo. So it, it, it's not the necessarily the end of that. Um, maybe somebody like Billy McKinney, who I know is, is also slotted to move in to get some outfield time, maybe he bounces back between Toronto and Buffalo. There's a lot of opportunities for those guys to, um, you know, even if they're not showing up in the major leagues, come back down to Buffalo and form, like you said, a really, really cool lineup with Biggio, Bichette, and, and Vladdit. Hopefully for not very long, but at some point in April. So um, that's that's a lineup that we're going to be watching day in and day out, no matter what. If your dad played in the big leagues, chances are you are in the Blue Jays organization. Uh, we'll move on to the most intriguing rotation in 2019. Sam, take it away. Yeah, so for this one, um, again, I think Kelsey's going to take the team that was my second choice, which is good, but... We're going to stick in the same system, and, and Tyler's going to turn this into a joke in a you second, I'm sure. you got to stop looking at my screen. I know, yeah. <laughs> Wait no. for it to happen. But uh, my pick is the double-A Mississippi Braves. Um, <laughs> you yeah, don't say, Sam. I know, yes. <laughs> Fascinating, I'm sure. But what I what I think is really interesting about Mississippi in a way that Gwinnett is obviously going to be really interesting. They start out the year with guys like Tuki Toussaint and Luis Gohara will be there eventually. And Mike Soroka will be there eventually. And Kobe Allard is there now, um, you know, just rolling talent. And I'm sure Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson, they start out in the majors would not be surprised to see them bouncing up and down as the season goes along. They're going to be tons of top 100 names there. Mississippi has one of those guys in Ian Anderson. And a lot of guys who are knocking on the door, Kyle Muller and Joey Wentz, are probably the top two left-handed pitching prospects in almost any other system. Um, right now, they get kind of buried with the Braves, but those are the number two and number three starters for Mississippi. Patrick Weigel is coming back off Tommy John surgery. He made a couple of rehab starts at the end of last year, then really impressed the Braves and instructs. They're allowing him to be a starter, which is not something I would have expected coming into the spring. I thought they were going to kick him into the bullpen. He's going to start day four for the M Braves. And then Tucker Davidson is another pitching prospect for them. Obviously, the Braves, as we've discussed, to ad nauseum to Tyler anyway, um, they, they <laughs> know how to develop pitchers. Braves.com. Yeah, right. Uh, they know how to develop pitchers, and these are the next guys here. Now, Gwinnett, there's going to be a lot of movement there, and that means more talent and probably more watchability, to be honest. But in terms of guys who are going to be there for a while and really be able to establish themselves and at a, a, a difficult level, and, you know, if Ian Anderson is around in the Southern League for a while, he's going to start, you know, picking up strikeouts and moving up that leaderboard. Kyle Muller, Joey went to the same thing. They could start showing some stuff that, you know, if they're not going to be challenged with a move to AAA just because there's not rotation spot there they they could start throwing up some really really impressive starts if Weigel's stuff holds up from what he showed in instructs with even more velocity and they were the Braves were saying when I was in spring training 
saying that they like him now more coming off the surgery than maybe they even they did beforehand. Um, you know, this Embraves rotation, we could look back on it and say, like, hey, this actually was more talented than what we saw in Gwinnett. There's some work to do there, but I'm more excited to see that work happen than something with Gwinnett where it's just like, okay, you lived up to expectations. And now... Kelsey's going to tell me why I'm wrong about Gwinnett. That was a great intro. Uh, yes, I have Gwinnett, the AAA Braves affiliate, just because you do have those names like Soroka, Tukey, Allard. And I know even Allard has slipped in the rankings a little bit over the past few years, but I think he's still a pretty exciting lefty that they have. Um, you know, all these guys do have major league experience, and there could be a lot of up and down with Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. But... That just means that you have more options. You have so you have more than five really exciting starters on any given night because there could be that much movement. And like you said, Luis Gohara is going to uh, get back from the IL soon and go to the IL. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the injured list. The injured and list the and go to the international league. Yes. Um, and then to you know, if Sam was picking on my stuff, I'm going to piggyback off of his and all of those exciting guys that he mentioned will probably be in Gwinnett at some point. I know he said, like, yes, that is tough with how much room you have and who's going to be in the majors and who's not and if there even is room in Gwinnett. But if there is, it's probably going to be Ian Anderson who's stepping up. So there's another guy you'll have. Um, and they have Mike fulton pitching on opening night, you know, in a rehab start, whatever. But it's still someone exciting to watch for Gwinnett. So I am very interested in that rotation. Josh? Yeah, I also could not get get away from uh, Gwinnett, I, the the big names, really. I think, you know, between both Sam and Kelsey, it's mostly, it's mostly been said. Um, point that Sam just kind of touched on that, yeah, Kyle Wright is in, is in the big leagues now, but um, we don't, we don't really know. He, you know, we can't say he's definitely not going to make any starts uh, at Gwinnett. And I guess it's the same kind of probably the same with a lot of those top prospects that, that are there now. They could end up making uh, spot starts in Atlanta and up and down. So for that, that additional reason of kind of the, um, the, the issue of roster movement, I think that's an interesting rotation to watch. Um, mine is different from the uh the high ceilings and quick ascent of those guys um i picked this as my most intriguing team uh and obviously if you've listened to this podcast uh more than a handful of times you know that i'm based in denver and i went to rockies camp uh last month and and uncovered that this was probably going to be the case the rockies have three former first round picks uh in the rotation for the Asheville tourists to start this i season. knew you were gonna pick them i almost picked them but i was like i'll let tyler have it <laughs> it's fascinating to me because two of those guys are coming back from very star-crossed years last season riley pint who's the fourth overall pick in 2016 obviously came into pro ball um with a, a ton of notoriety he was heavily featured in jeff passon's book the arm um as being one of those guys who maybe could be the the counterweight to all of the the arm injuries the pitchers suffer because he was such a, a diverse high school athlete he played basketball he did all these other things um last year Started the season with forearm stiffness, pitched uh, a third of an inning with Class A Asheville to start the year, um, walked a couple of guys, gave up uh, a whole bunch of runs. He had an ERA of 81 over that third of an inning um, that he was able to get an out. And then he was basically gone until the end of the season. He made three appearances with Class A Boise at one point. Um, the forearm stiffness came first. Then it was a strained oblique. So he only pitched eight and a third total innings last year. Riley Pines going back to Asheville. 
place where he spent all of 2017 brutal start to 2018 and now he's got to go try to slay that dragon again um another guy who's going to join him there is mike nicarak who was also a first round pick in 2015 he was a 27th overall selection um came in looked like he was really starting to get things figured out um moving into 2017 and then blew out his elbow toward the ucl needed tommy john surgery he was only able to come back for nine games at the end of last season i shouldn't say only able that's a tremendous accomplishment when you can come back from Tommy John a year later uh, made a couple of starts did all that for class a short season Boise so he's going to get his first taste of a full season ball joining those guys is kind of the opposite on the the first round pick um road I guess when uh you look at the the routes that these guys have taken Colorado last year went with a collegiate first round pick and Ryan Rollison who went to them uh the lefty out of Ole Miss they took him at 22nd overall he dominated the Pioneer League last year in his pro debut 1.86 ERA and nine starts there he struck out 34 in 29 innings so you get these two guys who are kind of star-crossed and have dealt with injuries and have dealt with bad luck and then this other guy who theoretically could make a really quick climb through the organization it's just a really really interesting mix um and so uh class a Asheville, if you're a, a south atlantic league fan um there's some intriguing ones coming through on that side so that is our run through the most interesting rotations in the minor leagues in 2019 and now we're going to go for the full-on uh, uh ensemble cast uh evaluation <laughs> most interesting team in 2019 sam yeah this one is i think speaks as much to the strength of the major league team as it does to this team in itself. And, you know, I wrote about this this week. I I did where will top prospects start. And I kind of included a little note in there about how, you know, we always get more excited about AAA lineups. Thankfully, Tyler, you're here for coverage about Class A, and I'm grateful for you bringing that up because, you know, it's easy to say, like, hey, AAA Gwinnett is – really interesting double a mississippi is interesting because we know these guys we've been following and to be fair that's what a lot of fans want to hear because they want to know who is closest to helping my team exactly yeah for sure so with that caveat and and my team is another triple a team and i you know i understand you know a lot of what i'm picking is the upper minors but triple a round rock in its first season as an astros affiliate is loaded is absolutely loaded and that's because the astros themselves are absolutely loaded. Kyle Tucker was one of the best hitters in the PCL last year. He's back in the PCL because the Astros signed Michael Brantley as a free agent this year to add to their outfield mix. Kyle Tucker should be a major leader somewhere. He should be in, he could be in one of like 25 different outfields. He's just in one of the five organizations that is too crowded of an outfield that he needs to get more minor league time. So, you know, he's one of those guys there. They pushed Forrest Whitley uh, to AAA, which is super exciting. He was really good in the AFL last year, obviously had some issues during the regular season, including a drug suspension, and then had some injuries for AA Corpus Christi. Only got a handful of starts there. They're pushing him to AAA because, listen, they know his package of pitches could probably get major leaguers out right now. He showed that this spring. They're going to test him out in you know, the heat of the PCL. Tyler, uh, Josh mentioned before, one reason to follow Salt Lake is they play in the PCL. They're going to rack up runs no matter what. Forrest Whitley going into the, some of these really hitter-friendly environments is going to be really, really cool to, to see how he adjusts to that. Um, so to see him get that push. Kyle Tucker, I already mentioned. Jordan Alvarez is back in AAA uh, after he got the push to Fresno at, at the end of last year. Just look at this outfield group for, for Round Rock. 
Jordan Alvarez, Derek Fisher, who was one of their top prospects a couple of years ago. He's officially graduated. No place for him in Houston right now. Uh, he's in the mix. Miles Straw, who might be the fastest guy in the Meyer Leagues, led the Meyer Leagues in stolen bases last year, is a defensive wizard in center field, has a really good arm out there, um, could be making plays like Ramon Laureano or Byron Buxton or something like that. His bat isn't quite ready enough, but he's going to be running all around the park for Round Rock. Kyle Tucker, those are just four outfielders I named right there. Trying to find playing time for these guys is going to be really interesting. A.J. Reed is basically a quad-A player right now, but he can be dominant in the middle of that lineup. Garrett Stubbs is the best catching prospect in the Astros system right now. He's at AAA. Um, you know, Corbin Martin, he climbed into the top 100 this year. He's joining Whitley in, in that uh, rotation. Siano Perez. Uh, he got a little bit of time in Houston at the end of last year. He's still one of their top pitching prospects. He's there as well. Francis Martez, Rogelio Armenteros. These are guys that used to be top, some of the top arms in that Houston system. All of these guys are gathered at Round Rock at the same time. I would like to say you know, what we said about some of these other teams, that at some point a lot of these guys are going to get it called up. And I do hope you know that Kyle Tucker gets his chance at some point. I hope that Jordan Alvarez uh, – shows his power potential, gets the ball off the ground a little bit more, forces his way into the Houston lineup. I hope Miles Straw is used as kind of a pinch runner extraordinaire for Houston. But it's just you you don't see it right now uh, the way the Astros' 25-man roster is construed. So this team could be together for a while. And, you know, if they're leading their division in the PCL by five games, you know, in June uh, with most, most of this core still intact, I would not be surprised. Um, you know, so... There's just so many guys here that are going to be must-follows uh, all on one roster, and it's going to be really, really cool to see as if, again, as if the Astros need to get richer in that aspect. But, um, you know, having the, this these many guys at the ready one stop away uh, for, you know, their first partnership with Round Rock is really, really cool and going to be really, really fun to follow this summer. Uh, Kelsey, who do you got? So I have Double A Tulsa, as we mentioned earlier. We're going to circle back to that. Um yeah, Sam mentioned all those hitters, Ruiz, Lux, Peters, Estevez, Santana, um, and they're all great. But then we also got really strong pitching staff with Dustin May, who I know was just recently on the show. Who said he didn't know where he was starting. I don't know if I believe him at the time, but now we know he will be. Now I don't believe any of them. Like when Josh and I have had this conversation so many times, when you ask like a farm director, hey, you got any idea where this guy's going to go? They're always like, no, we have no clue. Get out of here. You all know. Lying uh, to us. Yeah, so whether or not May knew, we don't know. We just know that he doesn't prefer Ginger Guard, uh, <laughs> just as long as you're talking about him. So we're talking about him now. Um, but May got a little taste of Tulsa last year, didn't do the best. But I think that, you know, once he gets adjusted this year, he'll do a lot better. Um, and then behind him, you got Mitchell White, you got uh, Yadier Alvarez, and Marshall Kosowski. Kosowski sorry. Uh, they both have 70 grade fastballs fastballs um i know alvarez was in tulsa last year but missed two months with a growing strain so that'll be good for him to settle in um kasowski uh is a relief pitcher so it's pretty exciting when you got that crazy fastball in the ninth inning go going to shut down the end of the game um so yeah i mean obviously like i said sam mentioned all those big hitters then they got the pitchers and when you're in double A, you're also one call from the show. So that's also an exciting time for them to prove themselves and see what they can do. Though, as you mentioned, the Dodgers don't necessarily have lots of space. Um, but I think it'll be pretty exciting. And, and one thing to piggyback off that, 
um, that I couldn't really mention because it was in the lineup. But Ruiz working with these pitchers is yeah, going to be really interesting. True. I mean, I, I think everybody in L.A. would love to see Dustin May throwing to Caber Ruiz for years to come. Um, so that partnership, how that's going to develop, how they're going to get to know each other better and uh, hopefully foster those relationships will be fun to watch. Josh, who you got? Well, I think this will be the last time uh, that there, that I have overlap like this, but I also I had that double-A Tulsa team for all of those. Um, all those reasons you mentioned. The the Really, like, the individual players, especially Ruiz and, and Lux and Peters, those, those three are all, you know, alone. They're you want to watch the team that they're playing on. They're really exciting, dynamic players. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned Estiva, Sam, earlier, and, and, and Santana. Uh, they're both really strong hitters. I mean, Santana has some really natural and raw power. He, um, he doesn't always, you know, it's, it, he doesn't – I don't think he, he's quite developed the plate approach that – he'll hopefully have by the end of the season at double a, but uh, he's, he's definitely an impact kind of player and, and worth watching but that group all together. Um, it's just really exciting. Kelsey, um, you know, she touched on a lot of the reasons that the, the pitching rotation is, is interesting and exciting. Alvarez, especially, I think is, um, you know, the word we use is most interesting. The most interesting is, is the phrase we use to, to talk about this. And I think Alvarez is a guy it's, I think it's kind of difficult to um, more so even than with your, your typical pitching prospect, you know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect, right? It's difficult to, to kind of project exactly what his career is going to look like. Uh, it seems like he could have a hum- tremendously high ceiling. Um, he's going to have to like pretty soon, I would think in his, in his development, um, start exhibiting a little more control um any control pitch where he, yeah 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 um so i think you know that that makes him like an especially interesting guy to watch among that group um so just to not um you know i don't not let's not cheat any listeners out of a out of a complete experience here by by repeating um same selections again and again. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw in an honorary or a shout out to my hometown port double a port and sea dogs um, with Bobby Dahlbeck and, and Durbin Feltman and Darwin's and Hernandez, the latter two, um, you know, relievers in the Red Sox system who could, who could be big, uh, could be helpful this year, maybe in Boston at some point. And Bobby Dahlbeck, one of the most exciting uh, power hitting prospects, I think in the, in the game. So, um, Um, I had the double-A Tulsa Drillers. No, um, a, a very, very intriguing roster. Um, mine, <laughs> mine is actually um, very much thrown off, but I think still fits in this conversation. But injuries um, have altered what this roster looks like. Although, to be fair, there is not a, an official roster release, as I have yet seen on this team's website. But the uh, the AAA Las Vegas Aviators, now the affiliate of the Oakland Athletics, are opening up a ballpark that, by all indications, uh, maybe the new crown jewel of the minor leagues, um, which this is a, a plug if you
you need to smile on Twitter during baseball season, you can follow Finn the Bat Dog, who works at uh, Vegas Games. Finn is adorable, uh, but Finn got a chance to check out the ballpark yesterday and called it the Taj Mahal. So it's uh, it's amazing. <laughs> That's not why they're the most intriguing team to me. Um, two guys who are not yet on that roster, but should be at some point hopefully very soon for one of them and by june is what i've heard uh from the athletics for the other are lefties jesus luzardo and aj puck aj puck obviously is coming back from tommy john surgery last year they're going to be fine to be cautious with him um and making his return to being on a mound uh ed sprague is the coordinator of instruction in that system told me when i was in arizona last month it'll probably be a, a case where He's working in extended spring training games and then starts getting himself ramped up May and into June to rejoin an affiliate. A.J. Puck, people kind of have forgotten that in the spring of 2018, there was some discussion as to whether or not A.J. Puck could break camp with Oakland, making it onto the major league roster out of camp, and then he suffers the UCL tear, undergoes Tommy John surgery. Um, He'll be back at some point this year. Jesus Luzardo... Looked like he was a, a shoe in to be on that roster for Vegas to open this season. He's been shut down with uh, a shoulder strain. Not entirely sure how long that's going to take for him to get back onto the field, onto a mound. Um, hopefully, it won't be anything uh, too extensive, but obviously, especially with shoulder injuries and with young pitchers, you want to be super careful with that. Um, what makes this a going from a, an interesting roster to one of the most interesting rosters to me, those guys, when they get there, They'll be paired with Sean Murphy, who's the top catching prospect in the Oakland organization and is one of the top catching prospects in baseball, Um, a fantastic receiver, a fantastic arm, a guy who seems like he's gotten his bat figured out. He has suffered broken hammock bones in both hands over the course of his career, including one last season when he missed about seven weeks, but he returned, made it up to AAA by the end of the year. And for those guys to be working with him, I think it's tremendously exciting. And not only them, but there are some other names on this roster that are guys that you really wonder what you're going to be getting when you eventually see them or guys who are at that stage where maybe they could finally make that jump. And I'll give you some names that are out there. One who I don't anticipate we'll see anytime soon, but maybe at some point at triple a and he's actually listed on this roster right now but he's not going to be active come opening day james caprellian who the a's acquired from the new york yankees and have yet to actually see in a professional game in an a's uniform he pitched in the arizona fall league as a prospect in that organization but he has been so derailed by injuries um he looked really good in uh in instructs apparently 2018 into 2019 but came into spring training had a little bit of a setback with a shoulder. He hasn't been getting his regular work in. At some point, hopefully, he's going to be healthy and be on that roster. On the position player side, Franklin Barreto is back there. We heard so much about Franklin Barreto for so long, or at least he's listed on that roster right now. And again, this is all subject to change with how things move and maneuver so quickly early on in the major league seasons, but he's still only 23. Jorge Mateo and Sheldon Noisy, which, by the way, if you've looked at Sheldon's last name and wondered, how do you say that? Noisy, N-E-U-S-E. Those Those two guys will be on the left side of the infield. Can Jorge Mateo finally hit enough to make it into the major leagues? Um, as a regular there the A's were really impressed with what he did during the spring Sheldon Noisy obviously is blocked um, at third base by Matt Chapman in Oakland but he's going to get some work elsewhere around the diamond and maybe even into the outfield Um, and then even in the outfield for this Las Vegas team Sky Bolt could be there Dustin Fowler another guy who kind of has fallen into that realm of what do we really have here Um, there's just a lot of really really interesting guys on that roster and if you're a, a Las Vegas baseball fan you get to open up this new ballpark you get some really really good talent coming through and you get to be part of a fun organization in the Oakland Athletics so that's what I've got uh, for most intriguing team most interesting team for 2019 um we for have fans yes 
Josh. So, sorry, so sorry. I didn't. Uh, but for A's fans in the uh, you know in the Bay Area, that's exciting too to be able to. Uh, right. Oh, hey, let's go to Las Vegas this weekend and check out their new ballpark and um, and see this team that that you know that's a really exciting team. And I know the organization is thrilled about it because you get a lot more direct flights and things like that that make travel in the PCL easier. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be a really interesting marriage there in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> Vegas joke. Um, <laughs> biggest breakout prospect in 2019. We're already a, a week into the major league season, and we have seen a whole bunch of prospects already uh, making their names at the big league level. But at the minor league level, we will see those guys as well. Sam, who is your biggest breakout prospect uh, in the game this year at the minor league side? Yeah, so one I have um, is kind of me just betting on tools. And I think that's the best thing we can do at this point is just know what we have. And this is a system, again, that just really knows how to develop guys with tools. And this is in the Angels system. This is Jordan Adams, uh, their first-round pick last year. They took him with the 17th overall pick. Uh, There was some question with him about, you know, he had a commitment to go to University of North Carolina, where I believe his dad is on the football staff uh, as, as a coach there. He was going to play football and baseball, make that work a real opportunity there at a good school, good programs on both sides there. Um, but the Angels talk him out of that, obviously taking with, with the 17th overall pick. This is a guy who can really run. He's got an 80-run tool right now. That's going to really work in, in the outfield and center field. Uh, he can be a plus fielder out there. Just needs to really learn how to hit. But if he can do that, and I and I think you know it is going to be a bit of a process. But if he can put together you know a, a decent season this year, show that the the tools are there offensively, um, you know he's going to plug right into a system that is developing guys like Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh. We we talked about Jemai Jones used to be an outfielder. We forget about that. They moved him out of yeah. the outfield because they had too many outfield prospects. Now he's a second baseman, um, which is yeah. kind of his natural position that he's gone back to. Right. So, you know, this is a system that knows what to do with these guys. Plug Jordan Adams in there, and he is on the roster for the Burlington Bees to start out the season. So he he will be going April to September, hopefully, you know, barring health. He did have a health scare last year uh, when he got involved in a collision in the outfield, but hopefully that's past him. Um, again, it, guys with 80 speed, they're going to stand out. They're going to start climbing uh, we've seen, you know, Victor Robles do that. Some other really fast guys, Vidal Brujan, really fast. Um, if they can show any type of offensive skills, and I, and I think Adams can, you just know have to know what you're building here. Um, we saw Joe Adele climb three levels last year, and I'm not going to put Adams in Adele's class right now. Um, but it, you know, the Angels have the playbook. They just need to put it into Adams's hands, and I think if he does that. Uh, he could be maybe a top 50 overall prospect by the end of the year. Not, I'm not predicting a, a breakout like we saw out of somebody like Juan Franco or Alex Kirilov uh, trying to make that big of a assumption it, it is a little out of my purview right now. But Adams has the tools to make everything else happen, and I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him as I think everybody should, not just in Angels, you know, fans of the Angels system, but everywhere because he could really, really take off here quickly. Yeah, I uh, was about to feel a little, little bad for picking a first-round pick as a breakout prospect, but if Sam's going to do it, I mean, I have no. Uh, <laughs> I would qualms say just about... anybody outside the top 100 all right, right now, all right. yeah, or even if so, they're in. So yeah. I actually, it it gets weirder though because my pick is a former top 100 prospect. I think it's time for Mickey Moniak to come back to okay. us. Okay. Uh, oh. Yes, obviously a, a re-break. First rounder a re-break, uh, for yeah. the Phillies. Yeah, exactly. He's. 
break it on back. Um, I know, yes, you look at him, he's a career 258 hitter with a 301 on base percentage. But last year in the Florida State League with Clearwater, uh, like partial part of the way through July, he started hitting, he started getting on base more, he started picking it up. Uh, and so in his final 36 games with Clearwater, he hit 324 with 355 on base percentage. Uh, and th- again, that's in a hitter friendly or pitcher friendly league in the Florida State League. And so I think, I don't know if it was the pressure of being a first round pick and just not performing was bad, especially a first round pick out of high school. Um, if that started to wear off, you know, the, as the limelight started dimming on him. Um, but he finally settled in last year, and I think that he could get off to a pretty good start with Reading or maybe like a pretty good May and then go from there. Um, you know, he was a first-round pick for a reason, and I guess I still have hope that he can come back and show the Phillies that, you know, they he was worth it. Um, and again, he's with Reading this year, which is one of the slightly better hitter-friendly parks, and the Eastern League is a slightly better Eastern League or hitter-friendly league. Um, so, yeah, I think Mickey Moniak uh, could make a comeback and break it. One thing I'll, I will say that I just found out, actually, while you were talking about this, because I want to look up some Mickey Moniak stuff. Mickey Moniak's first name is actually Mackenzie. It's true. And I realized I that while Sam was talking to Mackenzie Gore. So right. It's like well, maybe some of that will rub off. That's what that. I was going to get at next is Mackenzie Gore is our guest this week, as you've probably seen on the show page. And one thing he talked about in our interview was that you know this time last year he was the third overall pick coming into the year felt a lot of pressure this spring he doesn't feel it anymore um it, things have kind of backed off a little bit it, he feels a little easier you know time will tell whether that improves things but moniac i think that's fully worn off now we don't mm-hmm. talk about him as number yeah. one overall pick he's got to yes. perform he's lead past him he, he's now kind of like you said looked past yeah. and it kind of shunted off to one side mm-hmm. if he starts hitting and reading like many people have done in the past um mm-hmm. we're gonna have to start talking about him again that's all i'm saying so yeah what that's about all i'm saying yeah well yeah you said it first uh josh who do you got well uh so i've got i've got a traditional pick and an outside the box pick for you um i'll i'll be speedy though the traditional pick i think victor victor mesa um who deflected who defected from 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 Cuba last spring and signed with the Marlins um, in in the fall. He's somebody, you know, I think he is in the top 100, but he's, he's not somebody whose name a lot of people know. And I think we will be saying his name a lot more. Um, his, his best tools are, are speed and defense. So um, that doesn't make him like a, an, a real obvious conversation uh, flashpoint or, or somebody that would say, Oh, look out for him that much. But I, I you know, I think, um, He's probably going to outperform the Florida State League where he's starting pretty quickly and, and make some noise. Um, and my outside-the-box pick, I've got a duo for you. Um, the young uh, San Diego Padres prospects, Gabriel Arias and Estuary Ruiz, are their middle infielders with Arias at shortstop and, and Ruiz at uh, – at second base, and they're both go- they're playing together in Lake Elsinore, and I think, you know, in the Padres system, period, it's hard for it's hard to to get get much buzz or, or attention if you're not, um, you know, a, a Tatis or a Mackenzie Gore, um, 
or you know a Chris Paddock. But um, this this is a really exciting young duo. They're both really strong defenders in the middle. Um, each of them struck out a ton last year in the Midwest League. Um, let me, yeah. Uh, so Aria struck out 149 times in 124 games. That's a ton. Um, and similar, yeah, 141 times in 117 games for Ruiz. They're, um, but neither of them is older than 20. Um, I think that, yeah, uh, Arias won't even turn 20 this calendar year. Um, so I think that that could, that could just be kind of, you know, a, a natural learning curve for them. And they, they both have the potential to, to really, um, put up some, some nice offensive numbers. And they did, even with striking out that much, they, they both performed pretty well. Uh, Arias 27 doubles in, in the Midwest league. Um, and Ruiz stole an insane amount of bases. And that number is 49, um, 49 bases having only gotten on base, you know, like a little better than 32% of the time, um, in 117 games. Um, so those two are electric and exciting and, and we should look to, to, for them to break out with the storms. Middle infield duos that play together, climbing up in an organization like you need more of those, San Diego. Thank you. Um, I am going to go. Josh went with uh, Victor Victor Mesa, who was in the back end of the top 100 at number 97. Number 96 is my pick. So sorry, I broke the no top 100 prospect rule. Uh, but it comes with a caveat because he starts the season uh, on the injured list with a little bit of elbow soreness. But 18-year-old Toronto Blue Jays right-hander Eric Pardino um, has all the tools to be a dude. And he last season made 11 starts with the Bluefield Blue Jays in the rookie-level Appalachian League, 4-3 uh, and three record and a 2.88 ERA there. 64 strikeouts against 16 walks and 50 innings. So often with these young guys who you see who have electric stuff, the command is the last thing to arrive. Doesn't seem to be the case for him. Eric Pardino, you might remember the story. He pitched as a 15-year-old in the World Baseball Classic qualifiers back in 2016. He's from Brazil, pitched against Pakistan. Um, and he signed with the Blue Jays during the 2017-2018 international period his start to his professional career extremely impressive um the thing that really excites people about him is the fact that he has that feel for pitching the stuff is obviously very good he's got a 60 grade fastball 60 grade curveball but when you're 18 years old and he just turned 18 in january when you're 18 and you already have feel and you have command you're going to grow into your body he's listed at 510 155 so obviously that's going to develop which means probably increased velocity um there's a lot to really be excited about with Eric Pardino. Now, all that being said, he has experienced some soreness in his pitching elbow. The Blue Jays have said there's nothing really to be worried about with that. They're going to be cautious with him. Um, but this is a dude who pitched last season, making his stateside debut at 17. Um, he kind of reminds me, at least in the very early stages of his career, of somebody like uh, Julio Arias, who's up with the Dodgers now. And Arias obviously made the the climb to the, the Midwest League, I think at 17. I think he got his first full season look at 17 years old um so Pardino's a little bit older than that which is insane to think about um but 
and someone who has the ability to really climb quickly. Um, his Twitter handle does not say the teenager in it, so it's kind of confusing. Um, but uh, he's still somebody to really keep an eye on uh, in that Blue Jays organization. So if you're a, a Jays fan who knows how much talent you've got at the upper levels of the minors, still got some good stuff at the lower levels of the minors as well. Um, rookies of the year in the American and National Leagues. I think I've gotten these wrong every single year that we've done them. So let's do them for 2019. Sam, who you got? Yeah, again, I, I just bet on tools here and there's lots of cases to be made of like, oh, if things break right, this guy can do it or this guy breaks, if things break right, this guy can do it. I'm just going to go chalk. Um, I wrote a little bit about this, about trying to assume who's going to be the rookie of the year leaders. Um, I, I think, you know, the AL, it's going to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I'm sure that's the name that's going to come up a bunch. Guy can hit a ton. Not worried about the oblique injury to begin the year. Um, he's not going to be in Buffalo for very long. He'll he'll be up in Toronto by the end of April. And I, I expect him to make up some ground against even Eloy Jimenez, who obviously is getting a, a head start on, on Vlad. Um, you know, Vlad's going to hit enough. He's going to show enough tape measure power. Um, he's probably going to hit around 300 for the Blue Jays. Not worried about the defense overly sapping some of his value. Uh, he's going to be one of the stories of the summer. He's my pick in the AL for obvious reasons. Uh, in the NL, when I wrote that story, nobody knew that Fernando Tatis Jr. was actually going to break with San Diego. That was a little bit of a shock. Um, but I'm, I'm still going to stick by my guns and say Victor Robles because in modern times, right now, you know, a lot of people look to war for you know these awards like who who has the highest war what are you matching no, awards and yeah, no when you said they they look to war and i was so i was like oh like, know, as analogies, know, like, like, like were battles so i was like what's look, i mean san diego is has does have a big uh, military base so yeah, I was, no, I was they like, look to wins above replacement all right, all right. and i think robles just has all those pieces of his game that work really well for war he's going to do really well on the bases he's going to do really well on the field i think he's going to hit enough the nats think he's going to start developing some power i think we're seeing a little bit bit of that in the first week we're also seeing you know that he's still a young player he's made some mistakes but uh he's going to get a ton of run in that center field spot uh there's a lot of value to be made if you are playing a premium position not that Tatis jr isn't going to have a lot of value as well as a shortstop but um, I just think Robles having a little bit of major league experience is going to help him out this year. I still think Tatis is the better player long term. Um, but for this year and this year only, I think Robles, with a combination of being on a good team with the Nats, uh, I think that kind of pushes him over Tatis for this year. So I got Vlad in the AL, Victor Robles in the NL. I mean, those are good. And they're chalk for a reason. They probably will end up winning. But I decided to go slightly outside of the box just to mix it up so we do have more guys to talk about uh and i picked eloy with the white Sox. um you know just because my first thought was if vlad hits 300 with 20 homers i think we'll be disappointed like that's that's kind of a quiet year for that's vlad. true yeah so like i think i think the expectations are really high for vlad i mean yeah it's still a great rookie campaign but is <laughs> it a great vlad campaign um but so yeah i think eloy i mean it's hard to judge so far. He's off to a little bit of a quiet start, but uh, he did really well last year as he advanced from Birmingham and Charlotte. He has that raw power. Uh, he has well about above average hit tool. Um, plus, he you know has that contract and the money wrapped up. So I, and I I don't know how many guys are really thinking about that their first year, but I think that's good to like you know not have that matter and just to play ball. Um, so I I'm feeling good about Eloy. 
And then on the National League side, um, you know, Robles, again, he probably will end up winning, though people are a little nervous about his defense so far the past week. Um, but I decided to go with Pete Alonso. I just think he's such an exciting, fun player. Again, as Sam mentioned, you know, Robles will probably, Robles and Tatis will probably end up being the better prospects overall and the better players in the next 15 years. But I think Pete Alonso, you know, when he launches the ball, it's just so exciting. He won the Bauman last year for most home runs and RBIs in the minors. And we've already seen his first home run with the Mets. And I think he'll just keep going. I mean, I know the Dominic Smith situation will take a little toll, but I think that he could overpower him and just take over that role in that first base spot. Um, and I, I was overlooking Sam's or looking at Sam's article about how a lot of the last rookie of the years were rookies of the year were top four prospects usually, but then you got guys like Aaron judge or Michael Fulmer who were, who were more of number 45 or number 53 overall pick or overall prospect. And Alonzo's number 50. So he fits right in with those guys. Josh fire away. All right. Oh, okay. So, um, I was I was feeling a little iconoclastic here. Uh, <laughs> I I'm I'm making some wild predictions. Luzardo is going to be the AL Rookie of the Year. He's going to Jesus get Luzardo. healthy. Oh, okay. He's, he, that's he's going to be in the majors by the end of June-ish, is my prediction. And he's just going to blow people's minds the way he has pretty much at every minor league level. He he stopped at. Um, wow. From then through the end of the season, and and people are just gonna he's just gonna um, impress everyone so much that that you know being there for that shorter realm won't really matter because it'll have been such a phenomenal splash that he'll have made um, in the American League. Now, Tyler, did you? I, I guess I can't ask, but if you didn't pick Tatis, then I regret not going with Tatis because I didn't pick him because I thought you know like. Don't worry, board. I do. Um, okay. okay. <laughs> Don't worry. Good. So, uh, even further on a limb, I'm picking two two pitchers. A year with two pitchers as rookie of the year, and Paddock is my pick. Um, he, I, you know, he's like somewhat like Lazardo. Last year was a year where he just everybody was somewhat excited about him, and then he just uh, blew people away. Just really impressed people and and pitched really well everywhere he went um he did that this spring even to get to san diego and uh he's looked pretty sharp um while he's there i think it's going to be a special year for him um this is going to come as a big surprise to everybody but my national league pick is fernando Tatis jr <laughs> um, whoa unbelievable oh right <laughs> craziness um i've been on the the tatis bandwagon for for a long time ever since i uh interviewed him after he hit for the cycle and had an inside the park homer for fort wayne and told me that when he saw his third base coach waving him home he was really annoyed by it because he was so tired um <laughs> I, I love running on tatis um he's great and i mean already obviously the things that he's done in his first few days up at the major league level with san diego um have been pretty impressive and uh nobody went with Aloy, right i did kelsey did no Oh, Kelsey did. I was I thanks, was off. Thanks for listening, about, Tyler. I was off reading about other <laughs> other prospects. Okay, then I'm going to go. I had an alternate. Don't worry. And I'm going to go the crazy Josh Jackson route. Um, and I'm going to say Forrest Whitley. Oh, I like that. I like that a okay. lot. Okay. Um, and uh, I I think last year, especially with the the suspension and only getting eight games in 
Boris uh, went to the Arizona Fall League. He struck out everybody he saw, basically, in the AFL. Um, he goes 93 to 98 with a fastball. Um, the curveball, the slider, the changeup, they're all plus pitches for him. Um, he's going to start at Round Rock, as we talked about a little while ago. Uh, but I, I just think he's too good. Kyle Tucker got the, the cup of coffee last year, and, um, you know, obviously he finds himself back in AAA this year. The Astros have uh, some depth, and they like where they are in the outfield right now. So Kyle Tucker, I think um, he's going to be there eventually, obviously, especially showing as he has that he's you know pretty well conquered AAA pitching. Last year he had 332 AAA with a 989 OPS. Um, but I just think Forrest Whitley, when you have that ceiling, when you have that skill set, as a starting pitcher, you can force your way into the rotation um, because organizations want that. They want that frontline stuff um as quickly as they can get it so that'll be my uh that'll be my surprise pick and uh also it goes to show that i can't just daydream and read about the random back-end prospects in uh i was reading about jb bukaskis okay so i didn't hear you guys were <laughs> picking i was like oh yeah i kind of forgot about him he was a first rounder in 2017 um so those are our picks for the rookies of the year, American and National League. Uh, and now we come to the Josh Jackson category, <laughs> the Joe Bauman home run award winner. Uh, and Josh is already fomenting some brilliant selection that will turn itself into a feature come the offseason 2019 into 2020. Uh, but Sam, we will start with you. I feel like I'm taking the rug out from both of you on this one a little bit. Um, my pick is somebody who is going to play in the same park that Casey Golden played in the last year. Oh, okay. Um, so it may well be then. Yeah. Again, I, I want to give my, my pick the biggest chance to, to win this award. And this is somebody who's going to play at class a Asheville to start the season. Asheville is a great hitters park. If he does well there, he'll get moved to class a advanced Lancaster, which right. is maybe the most notorious hitter friendly mm-hmm. park in all the minors. Um, so, you know, carry, the ball or uh, carry his hot bat anywhere in the Rocky system is going to be a good bet. My pick is Grant Levine, uh, the 42nd overall pick last year, um, taken out of New Hampshire. I did a story on him this year. Really, really like him as a hitter. Uh, the Rockies obviously do as well. They sent him to Grand Junction last year. Saw him hit 350 with a 477 OP or a 477 OBP. Excuse me. Uh, he walked 45 times. Only struck out 40, had a 996 OPS, only hit six home runs. By the way, did not win the batting title in that league. Right. By the way, says a lot about the Pioneer League, I think. But um, yeah, only hit six homers in 59 games. That's not exactly going to project itself to a a Bauman Award winner. That said, you put him in Asheville, you give him a full offseason to prepare. You give him, you know, more time with Rockies hitting coaches, and he's going to be playing first base. MLB.com has him as the seventh best first base prospect right now. They're going to try to develop him as a power hitter. Um, you get him playing every day in a way he couldn't really in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, I think he's going to warm up and just absolutely take off. And uh, you know, trying to predict like somebody like Pete Alonso, who didn't, you know, who had the power but wasn't necessarily playing in some of these environments until he got moved to Las Vegas. I think Levine's going to have a chance everywhere he goes uh, to show off some pop. He's going to have incentive to do that, uh, you know, coming into his first full season, trying to show some people uh, what he is capable of. 47 overall pick is a, is a good selection, but there are still 41 people taking him in front of you. 
Um, and, you know, the Rockies obviously do a good job. They did this with Casey Golden last year uh, of developing power hitters when they get their chance. Levine just has so many chances and so many opportunities to do well and show off uh, in his first taste of full season ball. So he's my pick. Uh, there's a decent chance he does everything well this year except for hit for power. He hits 15 homers and hits 320 between Nashville and Lancaster. But I'm betting on the power here. I think he's going to walk away as the Bowman home run award winner. Nice thing about the Rocky system is the Coors meme applies every level on the way down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even Hartford, which Great. is yeah, even Hartford. It doesn't seem like oh, Hartford, the, you know the Connecticut mountains that they're going to be playing in. But that is a little bit of a ball <laughs> flies there. Yeah, but yeah, it really is. It's kind they, of an they built team. that into like a city block, and it it just uh, it shortens up some of the fences there uh, to the point where guys can really hit for power. So. I'm not saying Levine's going to make it to Hartford, but it, it is kind of interesting. The ball just has that extra energy from all that coffee. Yeah, it's, it is Dunkin' Donuts Park, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Sam mentioned that there were 40 guys, ta- or 41 guys taken before Grant Levine. So I have the guy that was taking 41 picks, or 40 picks before him, and Joey Bart, the number two overall draft pick last year from the Giants. Uh, you know, plus power, he... Let's see, he it slugged 613. It was Salem Kaiser last year. And instead of going to Class A, he's going to the California League, to San Jose, where he will play some games at Lancaster. So thank you for mentioning how great of a ballpark that is because Joey Bart gets to play there. Um, I don't know, yeah. Like I said, he hit 13 homers in 45 games last year. He hit, 100, he hit 30 homers in 141 career games with Georgia Tech. Obviously, it's a different ball game, literally. But... I think that will translate well, and I'm really excited to see what he does in such a hitter-friendly league that is the California League. So, yeah, I mean, he's a catcher, so obviously he's not going to be playing as much as a first baseman or a third baseman, but I think he'll make up for that because he is such an exciting bet. I like that pick, Kelsey. Thank you, Um, Josh. Thank you both for mentioning Lancaster being such a great Park because do you know who is going there? <laughs> I, I knew we were headed us. this way. I knew we were headed this way. No, don't you <laughs> do it? Don't you do it, Jackson? He's doing it. He's doing it. I can't not do it. <laughs> Why? How would <laughs> Casey Golden has been very good to me, uh, <laughs> given me months of hounding and and boasting to Tyler, and I'd like him to just extend this relationship we have by going out there and, and winning a Bauman award, um, starting, you know, taking the 34 home runs he hit in the South Atlantic league last year, where, um, say what you want about McCormick field. There's some, there's some heavy air down there. Isn't there in the South Atlantic league? Um, he's coming to the California league to, to play in the home park of Lancaster where, you know, like, if you wear a hat in the stands, it can blow over the fence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and where the whole league pretty much is, is great for hitters. Uh, I can't not pick Casey Golden again. <laughs> All right. If you didn't do it, I was going to do it, by the way, just to, just to round out this, this selection committee by making sure that Casey Golden – Casey Golden, we're just going to have to include in this every year until he makes his graduation in the major leagues. He's going to be somebody's pick. Um, he or until is, he wins it this year. 
Right. Well, that too. He is to you what Mackenzie Gore is to Jim Cowes on the Pipeline podcast. Uh, and they finally met. You have never actually met Casey Golden, correct? Not that I don't think so. I don't think I've so this even year, talked to him on the phone. Now you're going to have to go to a Cal League game and introduce yourself as number one Casey it's Golden true. fan, Josh Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> get a it's customized Jed Hawks golden Your mother and jersey. I have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> We're big fans of your work. Um, I'm going to go with my theme, apparently, for this show is going with guys who are injured to start the year. Um, Alex Kirilov is currently out, uh, according to one Sam Dykstra of MILB.com. He'll open the year on the injured list, uh, sustained a wrist injury late in spring training, but should get back on the field sometime in late April. Alex Kirilov last year at 20 combined home runs in 130 games between Cedar Rapids and Fort Myers in the Twins organization. Uh, he's just 21, continues developing the power. Uh, I like Alex Kirilov. I like him a lot. He and Royce Lewis are, are one of the most entertaining prospect tandems um, in all of the minor leagues. And so eventually when he gets back uh, on the field, I like Mason Alex Kirilov. If not for him, probably Kyle Tucker because I feel like somehow he's going to end up getting jobbed into spending most of the season in AAA this year. So That would be so tragic. Wouldn't it, it would be terrible. It would be terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, not right. fine for him. It's, it's fine, but yeah. If I could throw out one other name, this won't be my pick. I just I feel like people should know about this guy going into the season, and he didn't fit any of our other categories really. Uh, Nolan Gorman? Yeah,、no、yeah, stolen, stolen, stormen, stormen, gorman. Yeah, is a stormen gorman in some Missouri thing. Okay. Anyway,、uh, 19th overall pick last year. He was somebody who showed a lot of power on the showcase circuit and then
for hitting prospects. Um, I remember us talking about that with Dominic Smith because Dom Smith didn't hit for power hardly at all throughout the lower levels of his minor league career and then really started to develop it. Um, so for the guys who can already do that at the lower levels of the minors, like, oh, I don't know, say Casey Golden last year um, with Class A. Who's that? They're, they're really fun prospects, so keep an eye on them. Um, and our final prediction for the opening day mega cast in 2019, the top overall prospect for opening day – 2020 uh last year kind of seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that vlad would be the guy in 2019 going into 2020 is kind of a wide open field so let's hear it yeah so uh for me this guy kind of feels like the next vlad in this way of just we all kind of he's ranked 13 right now but i think everybody kind of knows if he can just do it for a full season uh he will be at least a top five overall prospect by the middle of the season. Uh, my pick is Wander Franco, uh, who just absolutely tore up last year. Uh, rookie advanced Princeton. Switch hitting shortstop. Just turned 18 on March 1st. They're giving him the bump to Class A Bowling Green to start the year, which is really, really neat and exciting. Um, shows a lot of, you know, they're not comparable players by Franco is a shortstop. Vlad is a, is a third baseman. But in terms of, the tendencies that we like to see at the lower levels, both of the things that are really, really interesting. Uh, Franco last year walked 27 times, only struck out 19. So that's something that we saw over from Vlad the first couple of years. Uh, still see it now, that really, really good control of the strike zone, the ability to put the ball in play, but still take your walks. Uh, you know, he, he hits for a high average. He batted 351 last year, hits for power, which is not something you always see from young shortstops. Hit 11 home runs with a 587 slugging percentage. Uh, puts it all together. His OPS was 1.004. Uh, again, if he can do that at Bowling Green, if he can do that from April to September, um, we're going to be talking about him as the, the game's next great talent, not just somebody who's like, oh, we need to see it from him. We saw it from him last year. I got to see it from him this spring. Um, I got to see a couple of bats from him. He was just putting the ball wherever he wanted it. Uh, which is really neat. And he does it with confidence. And the Rays are confident in him and they're just trying to find the right challenges for him. Once they start using that language of, oh, you know, he's going to tell us when we need to move him. No, they're talking about, hey, th- we need to find ways to push him. We need to find ways to make him the best player possible. Uh, they know what they have in him. And um, I think, you know, they're, they're some of the guys higher up from him, I mean, Vlad's going to graduate. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to graduate. Eloy Jimenez is going to graduate. Victor Robles is going to graduate. Nick Senzel will probably graduate. Forrest Whitley. There are a lot of people above him in those 12 spots that I don't think are going to be prospects anymore. So then we get to talk about him versus maybe a Royce Lewis, maybe an Alex Kirilov. Um, but again, I, I think Wander Franco is just too tooled up um, to, to hold him down and, and put him – lower than those guys the only thing against him is that he needs to do it over a bigger sample and he'll get that this summer yeah like sam mentioned um the way i see it, eight of the top 15 will probably lose their rookie status this year um potentially whitley and luzardo if you're feeling lucky like tyler um josh josh, josh sorry it was josh yeah. uh, i wasn't listening Probably to tyler not. clearly but um, <laughs> I'm, with, I'm, I'm with him on that one exactly but so so, yeah, that's 10 of the 15 that could be gone, um, which leaves Royce Lewis, Alex Kirilov, Wander Franco, and Joe Adele of the 15 that we're looking at. Um, and so while, yes, I think that Wander Franco has a 
pretty bright future, and he's clearly highly touted by us and Pipeline. Uh, I'm going with Alex Kirilov. I, I was just so amazed by him last year. He hit 348. I don't know if he can necessarily do that again, but a lot of people consider him to be the second best hitter in the minors behind Vlad, which means he's the best active hitter in the minors is exactly what that means. Uh, well, I guess he's also injured, but with that wrist injury, but it shouldn't keep him out for long. I just think that he's such an exciting player. He just does it with both the power and the average and consistently. And again, he did that starting out in the uh, Florida state league last year. The second half was in the Florida state league, um, the pitcher friendly and now he'll be with Pensacola, and I think he'll just keep going and climbing through the system. I'm with you, Kelsey. That's my pick, also. Um, and it's, yeah, just because he's such a he's he's shown such an incredible ability to to hit to just rake. He hits for average. He hits for power. Uh, he has pretty good control of of and and exhibits you know pretty good control or knowledge of the strike zone and then what to do in that bat and what they're trying to do to him. Um, for a guy who's, who's hitting 20 home runs, he's not striking out that, that much. Um, and I think that bat is good enough and kind of sort of prove good enough over the course of this year to vault him even over Lewis, who's, you know, in the more, who's very toolsy and, and a great player, but, and in the more valuable position. Um, I just think that, yeah, Kirilov continues on the trajectory he's on. He's he's going to be the best prospect in baseball. I like it. Those are good. Uh, those are good picks. I'm going to go a little bit crazy with it. Um, I I think it's probably going to be Wander Franco, but um, I'm going to put my money on Mackenzie Gore. And by that, I mean I won't put my money on it because I don't bet because I'm a sports journalist. And I apologize for misleading you by saying that. <laughs> um, Mackenzie Gore, though drafted in the in the first round back in 2017 we have only seen 23 starts from Mackenzie Gore in his professional career last year 16 games for Fort Wayne his overall numbers were not that impressive a 4.45 ERA a whip of 1.302 struck out 74 and 60 and two-thirds that was great but he gave up more than a hit in inning 61 and 60 and two-thirds like his numbers have not been that great and still he has climbed basically every season since he has been uh, in the the prospect ranking since he was drafted a couple of years ago. So I feel like prospect evaluators are so high on what he is able to do when he's healthy and he's out there. Um, This year, I think maybe I should have picked him as a breakout prospect, but he's 15th overall, so there's not really much of a breakout there. But we just haven't seen – you know, I mean, his debut season, he was fantastic, but that was with rookie level – the AZL Padres uh, in the rookie level Arizona League. He had seven starts in that season. He struck out 34 and 21 and a third. Um, But it's just been such a limited sample size, and he has continued to climb that I feel like this year, if he puts together – especially being in Lake Elsinore, which is one of the very few somewhat pitcher-friendly ballparks in the California League – um, if he can do things in Lake Elsinore um, that really feel like, oh, this is what we've been expecting from Mackenzie Gore for this long, um, then I think maybe he vaults over a bunch of guys and finds himself in that top spot. I think it's probably going to end up being Wander Franco, but I'm going to go with Mackenzie Gore. And Tyler, you know what that does. What? Kirsten? That, that segues incredibly well into our interview segment this week. Does it? Huh. Who who do we have this week? 
We have Mackenzie Gore. Oh my goodness! I actually, I'll, t- I did not even think of that. <laughs> I really did not. I didn't plan that at all. But I mean, that, yeah, that's. I mean, I totally planned it. It's that's podcasting magic. Radio yeah. is back, as Conan O'Brien says. Good segue. <laughs> Synergy again. Um, no, so so that that wraps up. I think. Does anybody else have anything else to say before I introduce Mackenzie Gore? Josh Jackson, the official fan club president of the Casey Golden Club in Lancaster this year, you can uh, you can get in touch with them if you need your T-shirts. Yeah. I, I will say I was thinking about Joe Adele a little bit, but he is going to be out for 10 to 12 weeks, and Pipeline has shown yeah. that they will drop you a little bit if you fall. Um, like Dane Dunning like recently like fell a lot in the rankings because he's having Tommy John, and I think Hunter Green did too. It might have slipped. But, you know, these are not the Byron Buxton pipeline years. They're not going to leave you up there if you are out for a while. So that's – I think Joe Adele will move up, obviously, as all those guys leave. But I don't think he'll be as high as he would have been if he wasn't going to be out for three months. It's good stuff. Good stuff from all you guys. Thanks for uh, joining us for the opening day megacast, as always. We've got more to come on the show today. Mackenzie Gore will join us next. Benjamin Hill will join us following that. And a big thanks to Josh and Kelsey, as always. Sam, I'm not going to thank you. I have to talk to you every week. Yeah, that's fine. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Mackenzie Gore, next. Very grateful this week to be joined by number 15 overall prospect, Padres left-hander, Mackenzie Gore, uh, the day before minor league opening night. Uh, Mackenzie, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Cool, cool. So, um, you know, we found out just the last couple days where you'll be starting the season. Uh, You'll be starting it in the California League with Class A Advanced Lake Elsinore. Uh, What are you expecting out of that experience? What have you been told about what it's like to play at Lake Elsinore? Um, I mean, obviously, I've been known to be a hitter in the league, but I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm a uh, you know, step closer, and it's very good to get people out. Yeah, and uh, one thing about playing in Lake Elsinore, you mentioned there, it being the California League. Uh, you know, do the Padres, I know it's early, but do the Padres give you any tips about what it's like to pitch at places like, you know, Lancaster or some of these really extreme hitters' parks? I mean, yeah, they talk about it, but... Uh, it's just something you really focus on when you get there. So, hmm. and uh, t- yeah, take us through this spring. This is the second time you've been through spring training. Um, you know, what what was it like going through that a second time? Did expectations kind of change having been through this before? Uh, yeah, it's different. You know, a lot more comfortable and stuff like that. But uh, it was a healthy spring, so that was smooth, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So now that you were healthy throughout the spring what were you able to focus on what were you really keying on for like you said all you're trying to do is get outs this year uh what do you think is going to help you take that next step uh just being able to work on the craft now and not get out are you okay when you get done throwing and <laughs> you just go talk about baseball so. right and uh you know, in terms of your package of pitches, that's one of the things that makes you one of the most exciting left-handers in, in all of minor league baseball. Um, you know, what were you focusing on in terms of harnessing your stuff uh, and making that a little bit sharper? Um, just going into camp, I wanted to going in the right direction, and then uh, I wanted it to all come together by the, you know, by the last start of camp. So I thought I did a pretty good job of that, just 
really commanding all four pitches, and uh, I'm in a good spot right now. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so you mentioned injuries and, and dealing with that last year. Um, you know, 2018 was meant to be your first full season. Didn't quite work out that way. You only ended up making 16 starts for Fort Wayne last year because of mostly because of blisters. What was it like going through that season and it not being necessarily, you know, other issues that we talk about with pitchers and blisters are just annoying. Um, but what do you do when you're going through that process and how do you kind of fix that? Issue for the for the future. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it was tough, but uh, it was something that you know, I've learned from. I've grown from it. I know how to you know, handle adversity a little better now. Uh, so it's weird how little things like that can happen and kind of humble you a little bit. But uh, it, it was good for me. Yeah, and, and when you say it humbled you a little bit, how did how did it do that? How did that manifest itself? Uh, just you know, last year at this time, I was. Uh, you know, all the noise, all the hype, uh, and just kind of got to get you back on your feet. So, you know, you're not even close to where you need to be, and, and uh, it, it, it was good. Yeah, so what was that like last spring, um, you know, going into that? You know, you were third overall pick in 2017, Gatorade National Player of the Year, going into a system, obviously, that there is so much attention on the prospects. Uh, what was it about that last spring? I know you mentioned being healthy this time was better, but what is, what was it like? How did that hype kind of manifest itself and come back to you? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really the fact that I got caught up in a lot of the hype. It was just that it was always around. Um, like you said, a lot of stuff is on the prospect here. Uh, and I just thought I was, you know, I was like, I'm really good, but... And then at, by the end of the year, everything had kind of, the light wasn't really on me. And uh, it was good to kind of get away and just be able to get some work in with not everything on you. Hmm. Yeah, what, what do you do to kind of escape that? I mean, so many prospects go through this, especially in today's culture where, you know, obviously we were part of this, I get that, uh, putting spotlights on young guys early. Um, how do you kind of get away from the the spotlight in that way and, and return to you know who you were, you know back when you were in high school in North Carolina. Um, I mean it's all good. Like you, you appreciate it, you know what people say about you, and it, it, you just have to kind of ignore the noise and know what you need to do. Like, and if you don't, if you don't just get caught up in it and you ignore it and just work on your craft, and you'll be okay. And it's good for you to, it's good for me to do it now. So you know when I'm down the road, I'll be, I know how to handle it. So. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we, is there anybody you talk to for this kind of stuff? I mean, uh, that Padre system obviously loaded. Guys have gone through this before. Um, you know, what kind of support system do you guys have for, you know, being in all this together and trying to work towards San Diego and, and build up the Major League roster together? Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of support is great. Um, and, and then the other thing is, we're really talented, so if you don't work hard and you think the way you need to be, you just get left behind. But yeah, and, and take me through that Fort Wayne team last year that you guys were a part of. Uh, I, I saw one story re recently talking about your friendship with Luis Patino, um, so many other guys on, on that roster. Ryan Weathers was up there at one point at at the end of the year. Um, you know, what was that team like? And at one point, didn't you look around you and notice how much talent was there? 
And what's something you picked up from an, some other player um, and, and kind of implemented into your game? Somebody, Something you saw you know, last season and, and started to use this offseason or something like that. What's something you've picked up from a teammate? Um, it's probably just the preparation. Like, um, you know, my other just was really good at that. Uh, being around Chris Paddock and guys like that in all season. Um, it's the way they prepare and they really focus on the little things and you know, little things make the biggest difference. But yeah, what's what's a little thing you're now focusing on that you weren't, you know, this time last year? Um, just having a plan, going to a bullpen, um, really focusing you know, when you're on on the mound, and then just you know studying teams more and you know how to get people out when they get in the box. Hmm. And. Um, yeah, so you mentioned Chris Paddock in there as well. Uh, Chris Paddock obviously making his Major League debut, doing really quite well in that. The, the Padres pushing up Fernando Tatis Jr. They seem to be all in right now in letting the young guys play. Uh, how much does that trickle down to you guys You know, at the lower levels or even you know, in spring training you know, at minor league camp when you're seeing guys like Paddock, guys like uh, Tatis, Mejia, Urias at one point, uh, all getting looks? I mean, how... How much do you guys talk about that around the locker room? Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's good. You get too excited. Um, just, but then again, we just got to get out of A-ball first. So, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it means that you're not as far away as you think. And, you know, these guys played in A-ball not that long ago. So. so does it make it easier to you envision that, or do you only focus on what your next start is? In Lake Elsinore. Yeah, so when you start looking ahead, that's when you get in trouble. Um, I just kind of one day at a time, um, and if you take it one day at a time, I'll get better every day, and it'll be here sooner than later. Hmm. And um, you know, one of the reasons why you were such you know a big prospect coming out of high school is you know your package of pitches. You mentioned having all four pitches on right now. Uh, what do you feel like is the pitch that's developed the best? as a pro because having four above average pitches is not something that obviously every pitching prospect has. You're you're pretty much there right now. Um, how do you feel like that's developed, or w what is the pitch you feel like has developed the most from your days as a high schooler? Um, uh, I would probably say the changeup has become a lot more consistent than it was. Uh, it was always arguably my best secondary, um, but I didn't have to throw it a lot. So it's something that it Probably, I would go change up on that. Hmm. And at what point do you realize that, hey, this I am going to need to throw all four pitches? I mean, how quickly in your career was that a thing? Because, like you said, high school, you don't really, you could probably blow it past everybody with just your fastball. Um, you know, at what, what point did you realize I need to really deepen this arsenal? Uh, right when I got there, um, I always knew I was going to need it, so I always worked on it. Uh, but, like, that year in the ADL, I used all four, and uh, it, it was good. Hmm. And, um, yeah, and one of the things that stands out, I, I think we've talked about this before in the past, is your delivery, uh, one of the highest leg kicks currently in the game. How does that kind of 
set you up to, to find location because you're you have pretty good control for having that many moving parts. What was the development of your delivery? Uh, yes, really, it's just stuff I've been doing since I was you know 13 years old. So it's yeah, it's very it's different, uh, but it's something I've been doing for seven years now. So uh, it's con command is all about repeat your delivery, no matter what it looks like or what it is. If you can repeat your delivery, that's how you can command the baseball. Hmm. Was there some model you had for that? I mean, every kid likes seeing. You know, I grew up wanting to throw like Pedro, so I tried to mimic his delivery. Was there somebody you were trying yeah. to mimic? No, that was, uh, that's the weird part. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I was talking uh, to the pocket, and uh, it just kind of happened. Yeah, so it wasn't like a Dontrell Willis type situation or uh, anything like that. All right, so, so yeah. when you look forward to a 2019 season, I know health is a big thing for you, but uh, you know, how do you feel like you're going to best get back on track in terms of um, you know what a successful 2019 season would be. What would be your definition of that? Um, just get get a lot better and take it one day at a time. So, so kind of in that way, I think you know the game is obviously evolving, and there are so many other stats out there, and so many things that are given to you guys as minor leaguers. When you are looking at a start, what are the numbers you look at to define what is a good start? Um, first off, just uh, some innings. Uh, you know, start job as you got there. Just be efficient. So I don't, I don't need to be going out there and throwing four innings of 85 pitches or anything like that. You know, be efficient, go get people, and get them out early. Hmm. So are you somebody who cares about your strikeout numbers? I mean, you struck out 74 and 62 thirds innings last year. A lot of that speaks to your stuff. But when you talk about getting deep into games, sometimes that requires you to be a contact pitcher. Do you have a preference on what kind of style you pitch? Um, I mean, shock out, they can uh, add up some, you know, more pitches, but base runners uh, are the ones that, um, you know, add up the pitch count. So walks, and the long at bats, you punch people out, you go punch them out when, you, when you're ahead. Uh, so you're going to be contact, you're going to get early weak contact, but if shock outs come, then they come. Hmm. You can't be able to do that sometimes. And, um, yeah, so when you guys are sitting around the locker room in Lake Elsinore, um, you know, you're going to be fairly close to California at least this time. Uh, you know, is, it, is that something that you guys talk about in terms of building the core right now and, and being the future of San Diego, um, you know, because of, you know, what, again, what the Padres are doing and, and the way they're building around you guys and, you know the attention coming to you guys. Um, you know how how much of a part of the future do you feel like on an everyday basis? Yeah, I mean, every day you do. Uh, it's, it's a lot of responsibility because you can't you know you can't take a day off and you just gotta work hard because they're dependent on you to you know help the major league team here eventually win. So it brings some responsibility to us. And just a couple more here to end on real quick. Um, we talked earlier about the blisters and how that's kind of a humbling experience, but what do you do pre to prevent that type of thing? Because it, it's not like you can put on gloves or something like, you know, you, as a golfer, you prevent blisters by wearing gloves more often. It's not something you can do as a pitcher. What preventative measures do you take uh, to, you know, to keep that from happening again in 2019? Uh, we let it heal and uh, 
just try to uh, you know, get the hand, the fingers just a little tougher, and we've done a good job of that as of right now, and just got to you know, keep on doing that. Hopefully, it won't come back. Hmm. So, we'll end on this one. Tomorrow is opening night across minor league baseball. First day in a park, first day you know with all the festivities going on. Um, you know, what is your pregame routine? For the first day, how do you kind of celebrate that baseball is back? Um, kind of get you know early in the day, you got to work in, and then you just enjoy the game and be into it whenever first pitch is. So you you don't have like a pregame soundtrack or something that really puts you in the mood? Nah, not. I mean, on start day, I'll listen to some music, but just just kind of be. Get your work in early, and then once first pitch starts, you're ready to go. All right. Well, we'll, we'll leave it at that. It, you know, given that again, Meyer League opening night is tomorrow. Uh, Mackenzie's got to go get ready for the season. Mackenzie, thanks so much for joining us uh, this week. All the best at Lake Elsinore and wherever the, else the 2019 season takes you. Uh, thanks again for being here. All right. Thanks. It is finally here. One of our most exciting segments with Benjamin Hill of the season, every season. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Hi, Tyler. I was going to say Sam the 2019 Dangerous. season, but that doesn't make it every season is we're excited about this specific segment. So there, which side is Sam sitting on? He is sitting uh, to my left. Uh, we're taping later than usual. It is a... Uh... 6:48 p.m. on a Wednesday evening, and so you, it, can, it can be very difficult, you know, as you know, to get a, a quiet space, a um, you know, to book a conference room in this crowded office. But today, when you when you're operating close to seven o'clock, you know, the world is yours. We're yeah. we're, we're in this like cavernous, uh, glassy, sunlit room, as if we were kings. Yeah, we're we're essentially in the Grand Canyon of Chelsea Market right Ooh. now. Now I want yeah. somebody yeah. to send me a picture of this. Meaning one of yeah, maybe we'll put a picture up on, on, on Twitter and then people who are wondering about what we're talking about can uh, can see because I know people they want to know the process and they want to know you know how, how the how the sausage gets made so to speak and right now um, Sam you're not hearing him talk because he has walked away and is taking a picture of me as I say these words wow. uh, he just took a picture so uh, and if you're somebody who you know, is looking as- at when Sam posts this if you're looking at the tweet and listening to this podcast at the same time I think that's what the kids call meta it is very meta it is very meta and i never met a never nah let's keep going keep going (laughs) um all right well it is the uh it is the promo preview the inaugural promo preview of 2019 ben has picked out 10 promotions that caught his eye uh on the the initial promo releases for 2019 and uh let's get started they are listed in the story chronologically they kick off with yinzer's night uh at the altoona curve on june 13th but obviously there are uh we'll break down a lot of these um let's i guess let's kick things off there we've talked a little bit about yinzer's night yins is a slang term in the pittsburgh area meaning like y'all basically it's like their version of y'all but they got a lot going on with this they have they've done a good job tying in that weird central and western pennsylvania culture yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just generally speaking for this article, um, you know, it's it's hard, especially with none of these promotions having happened yet. You can't really say what's best. But as someone who uh, pays attention to this world and uh, keeps a meticulous spreadsheet of things that are going on, uh, this column is just, um, you know, 10 that are intriguing to me. 
an expert whose opinion you should trust. And uh, you know, in the story, it's in chronological order. And first up, Tyler, as you mentioned, is uh, the Yinzers. Uh, you know, a lot of these promos, I think we've mentioned in different uh, segments of the podcast this off season because they've all been pretty interesting. But the Altoona Curve suiting up as the Yinzers. They're doing it seven times this. Um, season uh but the one i put in the column is when it all really comes together on june 13th they're playing as the yinzers the allegheny yinzers and uh there's going to be uh pittsburgh dad in attendance and uh if you have youtube which you almost certainly do if you're listening to a podcast as well you also have access to youtube you can check out pittsburgh dad he's a uh not quite a satirical character a comical character uh with um you know, who is essentially a Pittsburgh dad. And of course he talks like a Yinzer and is a Yinzer. So to have this uh, kind of cult Pittsburgh celebrity, Pittsburgh dad in the ballpark for a Yinzer's night in Altoona, it all really uh, comes together for that one. In at. <laughs> nice job tossing that in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so yeah, so from there we go to lollygaggers night, which I think is something we talked about before. As we, well. we probably mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, Durham Bulls lollygaggers night and uh, if you've seen the movie Bull Durham you probably remember that bit of uh, that little locker room I don't know if it's a tirade but a locker room uh, Skip gets uh, he's uh, sneering and contemptuous and just disgusted with his team in the locker room and uh, you know he says you lollygag around the infield you lollygag your way down to first you lollygag in and out of the dugout you know what that makes you Larry makes you a lollygagger (laughs) yep yep, (laughs) Larry so the Durham Bulls are actually playing as the Lollygaggers on June 14th. And just to have a very specific reference, um, you know, a lot of teams do pop culture references, but to have a good pop culture reference that also ties into the team, to the movie that is so associated with your team. You know what I'm trying to say. Very meta. Everything's all tied in together. It is. So uh, Durham Bulls, Lollygaggers, it's another one I put in there. Um Moved on from there to uh, Stud Muffins. Uh, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies uh, are doing a What If night, um, and you know one of the finalists in their name the team contest before they win with Rumble Ponies was Stud Muffins, and I think everyone just really wanted to see uh, the Rumble uh, Binghamton team be the Stud Muffins at least once. So, you know, I had to throw that in as, as one that's very intriguing. I think we uh, probably mentioned this one as well, but this Stud Muffin is just like a muffin with arms, and most muffins don't have arms, uh, but this one does, and uh, you know. He's sneering and angry and a very brandiose looking uh, anthropomorphic uh, treat. He's also bolted in for some reason. Like it's, I, I guess that's the stud part of it, right? Yeah, I think I guess there's some rivets in there. Yeah, yeah. he's a stud. Um, you know, I was looking at the at Binghamton's name the team press release <laughs> from when they, uh, you know, had stud muffins as one of the. Uh, Finalists, and I was like, "Why did they co- want to call it Stud Muffins anyway? Like, what was their uh, their rationale? Because all these ridiculous names always need a rationale." And in the press release, when you could choose Stud Muffins as a as a name for this team, it said it was a reference to the collection of carousel horses belonging to Binghamtonians. Sure. And I don't understand why a collection of carousel horses belonging to. I think it was the stud. They just wanted some. They thought of like, what's the most like horse. Like, what kind of horse puns can we use? Oh, Rumble yeah. puns mm-hmm. is one of them. Stud, you put him out, stud. And then what can we work with stud, stud muffins? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, we're, we're getting into five, six degrees of making sense here, but – and that's probably why they didn't pick it. We'll yeah, and do you really need a reason? That's what I love about it. You do need a reason, but 
but then the reason can be ridiculous yes. as <laughs> if you didn't even need a reason at all. But you always need a reason, even if it's ridiculous. Um, we talked about this one, I think, just last week. But Charleston River Dogs, Helen McGuckin Knight, a uh, local Google Level 7 guide who gave the team a two-star review along with the commentary just drove by. Um, I'm, like, very emotionally invested in this one. Like, how how no one has tracked this lady down yet in the age – not only in the age of the internet, but she is a she's a certified local guide on Yelp, which means she's very tied in with the internet. Like, how somebody has not gotten in touch with Helen McGuckin to explain there are people on podcasts talking about you and the Charleston River Dogs have dedicated <laughs> an entire night to you. Like, I'm very into this night, and she has – they have to find her, right? I would think so. They have until July 9th to track down Helen McGuckin and give her a night at the ballpark uh, in which she will – that will prompt her to change her review from two out of five to five out of five. So that's literally the premise of this promotion. One of my favorites of the year. Um, her review was just drove by two out of five. So yeah. That's a whole thing. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine being motivated to review a place that you drove by? I'm going to write movie so reviews stupid. based on just film titles I see on the marquee. You know, it's the same basic thing. Um, Moving on, you know, we started uh, this chat with uh, Tyler, one of the f- teams he used to work for, the Altoona Curve. Here's another one he used to work for, uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans, who uh, earlier this week, I believe it was earlier this week, time is just flying by, but they uh, announced the David Bodie McBoatface bobblehead uh, for July 13th. And this is, you know, capitalizing on a internet joke from the last several years where, um, you know, there was a... A, an online vote to name a boat in the UK and Bodie McBoatface won. And since then, uh, you know, McBoatface or McWhateverface um, jokes have flown all over the internet, especially Twitter, whenever uh, the fans are allowed to decide something. So Myrtle Beach went ahead and said, all right, you guys want the McBoatfaces? We're going to give you one. And it ties into the player's name. And uh, he's on a boat in this bobblehead or his midsection is sticking out of the boat. It's a little weird. Or I guess he's half man, half boat. I yeah, I don't yeah, know. Maybe that's it. He, I mean, it, it, yeah. He is the boat <laughs> face, though. Like, it, I, Yeah, I guess he's the he's a boat and his face. Well, check it out, July 13th. Also, David Bodie in the in the news this week signing yeah. an extension with the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is timely. It's a it big won't week, be so right? much July 13th, but he'll be in Chicago for a while at least. Yeah, it's going to be smooth sailing for uh, McBoatface. Uh, Syracuse Butter Sculptures Night, July 14th. Uh, the Syracuse Mets have partnered with the Syracuse or with the New York State Fair, which is, takes place right near Syracuse, um, on this Butter Sculptures promo. Apparently at the New York State Fair, butter sculptures are a thing. They can weigh as much as like a half ton of sculpted butter, depicting all sorts of uh, pastoral scenes or maybe even urban scenes. I don't know, uh, you know, the full you know how how uh, diverse butter sculptures are but you know talk about a weird alternate identity syracuse as the butter sculptures on july 14th with a logo that of course features like an anthropomorphic sneering stick of butter who's partially unwrapped and uh, they're going to give away a butter sculpture of their mascot as well i just love how like this butter piece of butter has more pants than most mascots yeah he does he does <laughs> That's like, true. Forbid, Makes Clark the, the Cub very jealous. Of butter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some standards there. He's a little – this butter is marginal, marger, modest. marginally oh. modest, marginally mar- modest stick of butter. Yeah. Wow, that was a great joke. Um, I got the Rochester Red Wings on there July 24th. Um, 
they have an usher named Phil Salamone. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he's worked with the team for 34 years. He's just one of those guys who, you know, everyone loves to say hello to. His catchphrase is Uncle Phil loves you. So the team is giving away a bobblehead of this usher, Uncle Phil, uh, that says, hi, everybody. Welcome to Frontier Field. Uncle Phil, Uncle Phil loves you. And it's in the voice of uh, this guy, Uncle Phil. So um, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast or read my work through the years, um, obviously a big priority for me has been trying to tell the stories of you know people who work at the ballpark or ballpark regulars, people who make a place unique. And uh, so I always love to see people like Uncle Phil get some love. And, um, you know, he's been with the team for 34 years. So <laughs> let's let's play that for the for the podcast. Just All right. To, go for it. Turn, yeah, it. turn it up. Turn it up a little bit and get Uncle Phil actually so everybody can. That's that's the bobblehead itself. That's yeah. the bobblehead itself. Okay. That is not Ben's rendition yeah. of the bobblehead. Yeah, that is not that is what the bobblehead will sound like. It will be it is a talking bobblehead, July twenty fourth, and uh, you know talk about an honor, man. You're not sure what the talking bottle. If you could have a talking bobblehead, if a team came to you, and let's be honest, this might happen. Yeah, you know, this could be in the realm of possibility someday, <laughs> and said we want a talking Ben's Biz bobblehead. What would it say? Oh wow. My talking ballpark, or my, my talking bobblehead would say, you know, it's hard to say what my favorite ballpark is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's my catchphrase. That is perfect. That <laughs> yeah. is perfect. You know, trying to be diplomatic <laughs> to the end. To the I don't end. think you're going for the hard sell on that one. But <laughs> no. I don't think some team in Iowa, you know, Quad Cities or something like that is going to be like, oh, Ben Ben won't say we're his favorite part. Yeah, if any team wants to give away a Ben's Biz talking bobblehead, I will just brazenly sell myself out. And the talking bobblehead can be, be me saying that whatever team does this, you're my favorite team and my favorite ballpark. I am for sale. No integrity. No journalistic. <laughs> you could just say ethics. I, PNC Field, PNC Park, and just cover like a bunch of bases. They're, they're yeah, cool. there's so many of them. Yeah. B, B, and T. You B, can B, mean fifth <laughs> third. Of those. Fifth yeah, third. You got a lot of options there, yeah. Hey, who wasn't uh, just doing the, the C-list celebrity night? Maybe, you know, again, like we tossed ourselves out there as possible attendees. If you want to do bobbleheads as well, we're gladly your C-list people. Yeah. Easily C-list. I don't even we're, remember who that was. Wasn't that Charleston as well? That is Charleston. Okay. The C okay. night. Yeah, they're celebrating mediocrity. So we, of course, are offering, <laughs> for the target offering market ourselves. For that. Our hands yeah. went straight in the <laughs> yeah. air. Hello, here we are. Did someone say mediocre? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. Um, Florida Man Night, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. This one's gotten a lot of attention, you know, of course, especially on the internet. Uh, you know, Florida Man jokes have run pretty rampant, and there's just this phenomenon of, you know, Florida Man. Headlines starting with Florida Man and then some absurd, maybe scary, maybe almost very strange uh, thing that Florida Man has done. So uh, the the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp are celebrating Florida Man uh, at the ballpark. That's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of press already, um, and they're having some fun with that one. They promise to break a weird law every inning, so I don't know how that's going to work. But uh, if you want to break the law at the ballpark, that's going to be interesting to see. Sponsored by a local law firm, you know, personal injury, uh, criminal defense lawyer. Uh, they got a guy named Lane Pittman, an internet, you know, celebrity of sorts, uh, you know, who is um, sort of the prototypical uh, – Florida man in the same way that Pittsburgh dad is a prototypical Yinzer. They've got this guy, Lane Pittman, um, who's 
I think most viral video is him standing um, shirtless with an American flag as a hurricane's bearing down while Slayer is playing. So uh, that's a very American tableau. He's going to be at the ballpark. Do you guys know why Florida Man is a thing? I think it's just like every crazy news story that comes out of Florida with like Florida man tried to eat neighbor's dog. Like I think it just turned into a meme that way. Yeah. And it became a Twitter account called Florida man. Right. That documented all these Florida man stories. Right. But the, but the reason behind all of that is I think Florida has like the The highest rate of crazies per capita. No. Well, maybe, but I'm not saying (laughs) that, uh, the biggest like sunshine laws in the country, like, Police departments have to say, have to put out into the public all the crimes that they've arrested people for or that kind of stuff. They, oh, it's much harder to keep stuff in the shadows. So it's so much like it's just easier to find all the kooky, crazy stuff. And then that stuff goes viral because you tack on Florida man yeah. on the front. Good point, Sam. I've read that and forgot. But that yeah. is uh, I think has so, a lot to do with it. As much as we all love to just pile on Florida and say, oh, all this crazy stuff happens. All this stuff probably happens yeah. in our small towns and yeah. across the country as well. We just don't hear about yeah. it. I think now would be the good time to have a real long uh, digression debate about uh, you know whether our rights to privacy is superseded by our rights to know like what's going we on. We can pivot that way right now. I'm prepared. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I know. It, it's interesting. I can see both sides. Um, but we're going to move on, you know, from that discussion to, uh, you know, the Lansing Lug Nuts who were doing Oregon Trail Night. That's pretty cool. <laughs> There's a good transition there somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, Lansing did the backyard baseball promo last year with pa- Pablo, Pablo uh, Sanchez. San- I can't say this guy's <laughs> name. Pablo. Pablo, Pablo Sanchez. Pablo Sanchez bobblehead. <laughs> Pablo Sanchez. Who was like a legend Pablo in Pablo, Pablo Sanchez. Yeah. That came around Lansing, like right yeah. after uh my era of playing the that like Sam, you were you were big into backyard baseball, right? Oh, of course I was. I had like yeah. just moved past that level of gaming. Uh so I never really got into the backyard games, but people who were into the backyard games, Pablo Sanchez was like he was like he was MVP baseball Barry Bonds who was John Dowd because Barry Bonds wasn't in the video game that was Pablo Sanchez for those who are of more my age slash on to Ben's age than Sam's age now you know but that was last year so it doesn't matter that was last year (laughs) I bring it up because it was a nostalgic um you know video game related promotion and uh this year the lug nuts are going with Oregon Trail. And while, you know, backyard baseball was, you know, a little after my time, uh, Oregon Trail, I played a lot and I was really good at it. Um, I would go as a farmer every time. So I'd only start with $400 and I'd still get everyone there in full health, like at the end of it. No, no, you know, pithy, funny, snarky tombstones along the way for me. I got everyone there in good health and I took a lot of pride in it. Loved playing that game. I wouldn't even shoot animals that I couldn't take back to the wagon because I'd still feel bad even like virtually seeing like a dead bear that I couldn't carry back to the wagon. So, so I, I loved this game as many of you love this game. It's a truly educational game. And, uh, you know, not too many concrete details regarding what Lansing is going to do on this night. But, uh, you know, I have faith that whatever it is is going to be pretty fun and pretty funny. And they're giving away a Daniel Norris colonial bobblehead. So we'll see what, <laughs> what that Which entails. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Daniel Norris, uh, somebody who could probably plug himself onto the Oregon Trail right now and get himself there. You both, by the college. way. Yeah. You both, as East Coasters, say Oregon. I said Oregon, didn't I? No, you. Oregon, you, you Oregon. Went with the gone. 
I can't even say Pablo, so I don't I don't know what I just have, my brother in law does that and I'm like, it's not a shape, Jay, it's a state. <laughs> so I had I just had to, I had to ask. Um by the way, any team, any Mariners affiliate who does Ken Griffey Jr. baseball night, I'll be there. I'm just telling you right now. Anybody out there, Eugene, Tacoma, whoever it is, I'll be there. Greatest baseball game ever made. Nobody's ever done a Ken Griffey Jr. baseball night. Gotta be a Mariners affiliate to do it. I don't I'm sorry, Reds fans. But that's that's my thing. Throwing that out right now. All right, Tyler's spoken, just, and just in case uh, anybody cares. Hey, I think people do care, and I think this might happen. And I think you know, a journey of a, a thousand miles starts with a single step, or something like that. And that was just the single step that will somehow be a thousand mile journey, and you will see the promotion you desire. Uh, the last promotion I have on my list, um, you know, it's funny the Omaha. Uh, Storm Chasers got a lot of uh, publicity this week for announcing an April Fool's Day promo called the pot where they were going to be the um, Omaha potholes. And that was an April Fool's Day joke. But then today they said, you know what? We got such a great response. We're going to do it. But all along for months now, there's been a promotion like that that is is just as ridiculous um, that has just not been a joke Ever. It's been a real thing. Uh, and this is one of my favorite alternate identities of the year for sure. Bowling Green Hot Rods are not going to be the potholes. They're going to be the sinkholes on August 30th, which is celebrating the anniversary of the time a giant sinkhole opened up at the National Corvette Museum and eight classic Corvettes got sucked into the sinkhole. Um, so just such a uh, bizarre event and now a bizarre alternate identity for a minor league team, um, you know, celebrating something that. Um, you know, as, as I put in my write-up, that probably they're celebrating it because time has passed and everyone can laugh about it now. I imagine when it happened, it was kind of like, oh, man, this is horrible. But nobody got hurt in the sinkhole. We did lose some Corvettes, RIP, <laughs> to these Corvettes. Um, but now we have a great alternate identity. And I, for one, would trade eight Corvettes for a great minor league baseball promotion. <laughs> so, Which says something about you. But It does. One thing I love about this, too, is that it's so well thought through. It's not just like – you know, Omaha just kind of threw it out there and they're like, how, how funny potholes we photoshopped this probably took 15 minutes. Bowling Green, the logo is a car that is half in, you know, half in the ground. You put it on the hat, but like the undercarriage has a B and a G in there in the undercarriage, which is really neat looking. And then the jerseys look like they're half sunk themselves. Like, right. And then if you have even look at the jerseys, you see there's kind of like silhouettes or subtle outlines of like stacked cars within this like sunken dirt color. Yeah. Sam's I, mind is blown. I, it is blown. I, the fact that we're still finding things, I, I feel like we talked about this months ago. And the fact that we can still find things in these uh, just they're one offs, right? It's going to be just one night. Yeah, just August, one night, August 30th. 30th. That's yeah. the last week. Here we are on the cusp of opening day, and we're talking about something that's going to happen on the, the Friday of the last regular season. But that's the whole point of this article and this discussion is a lot of stuff is happening this season. And uh, I hope this discussion just, you know, uh, further your enjoyment of or uh, educated you a little bit more on. Um, you know what what some of the better promotions are and there's so many more out there and i'll be writing about them all over the place and doing a lot more this season and i'm looking forward to it do you know uh road trip schedule wise do you have an idea an idea of uh of what's coming obviously i do you can't tip every everything but some indications i i have it i have my schedules made uh it's not going to be really a surprise that i'm going to be hitting the new ballparks uh, i'll have the specifics released i hope next week um with the first trip happening in uh very early May as it stands now. So, Weren't uh, you announced as a promo? I was announced as a promo? Wasn't there a team that said they were having purge night with you? Or was that an Oh, April that was an April Fool's joke. Oh, man, I felt that. <laughs> I was like, 
Ben hasn't even announced his thing yet, and he's part of a purge night. Yeah, that was an April Fool's joke in Lehigh Valley. There will be no Ben Hill purge night. I'm sorry to inform you. I had big plans. Yeah. (laughs) Benjamin Hill is on Twitter. You can find him at Ben's Biz. Uh, The story is up on the site right now, the most intriguing minor league promos of 2019. And the blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com. And keep it tuned uh, to the site and the blog for all the information about road trips and where you can catch Ben this season. Um, he's made it to every minor league ballpark. And now that there are new ones opening, those ones have got to be on the list. So if you've got a new ballpark in your town, Ben will be there sometime in 2019. So get pumped for that. Thanks, Ben. Hey, thank you. Get pumped for me, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I'm pumped for you guys. Um, just because. Thanks, buddy. We appreciate that. Hey, you're welcome. Final segment of the 2019 opening day preview edition megacast of the show before the show. Big thanks to Mackenzie Gore, who you can find on Twitter at mgore181. Benjamin Hill is at Ben's Biz. Um, our pre-show poem today, uh, I'm actually going to let Sam describe because uh, this was a, a venture that I don't even want to act like I had any hand in being the part of the creative force behind this, but that was awesome. The night, the night before opening night. Yeah. So the way we wanted to kind of celebrate, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday, as you heard Ben mentioned in his segment, uh, we wanted to do something to celebrate the night before opening night. And the guys down in, in St. Pete, uh, specifically Brad Freeman came up with this. I Friedman. I want to make sure I got that right. Uh, came up with this idea to do a, twas the night before, hashtag Melba opening night poem that was going to be shared by multiple teams. It's a Twitter thread. You can find it on our uh, you know, Twitter page at MILB. And, you know, so Kelsey and I got involved in the process and we started putting together what would the minor league baseball version of Twas the Night Before Christmas look like. And uh, Brad came up with some ideas on pictures and trying to evolve every part of the ballpark experience. And we got a lot of teams involved, so I just want to run through them real quick and thank you for them. Thank them for their involvement uh, in, in that Twitter thread. It was Lake County, Gwinnett, Lexington, Tennessee, Frisco, Rancho Cucamonga, Nashville, Omaha, Myrtle Beach, Indianapolis, Harrisburg, King County, Altoona, Quad Cities, Tulsa, Richmond, Johnson City, Missoula, Clinton, Pulaski, Salt Lake, San Jose, Tampa, Springfield, Stockton, Round Rock, and then went back to the at uh, one for the final tweet. Um, so yeah, really cool idea. We'll have to see what we can come up with next year. Kelsey's still here, by the way. I'm here, and yes, I did have a big hand in this. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see a what poem of, we can do next year. I don't know. Send us your poem suggestions. Maybe there's an all-star night before we could do for each and every single all-star uh, yeah, game. No, that, that, <laughs> Sam's like, eyes just completely went black right now. I only <laughs> took one poetry class in college, so the, the fact that I could rhyme it all for this one a slight miracle in itself. But You're from New I England. Like it. I feel like they're all right. You're poetry. from New England. Josh, did you hear that? <laughs> I did. I did. We, I, but, you know, I, I, I take it, Sam. I think uh, it's true that we we are prone to um, good word making together yeah. into nice sound <laughs> words and convey Is meaning. Is that a haiku? <laughs> nothing, nothing showcases it quite as much as that sentence right there prone to good word making together and good sound making that's why they paid to convey books. see that's Deep that's a direct meeting. quote though from eb white uh main native as josh knows <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, oh my god. I recently was reminded about the podcast a few years ago, the opening day one, where we just were arguing and, you know, annoying Sam about Commonwealth versus states. Oh yeah. And I called I think I called something a Commonwealth state, and so that was really bad. But good time. Commonwealth oh. is nonsensical. Don't do that. <laughs> Because Commonwealth don't exist. This is America, Sam. We fought a war to not have to call things Commonwealth. Which what? one? Which war? The revolution. I'm assuming that's a British thing. Commonwealth. That is the whole the British Commonwealth under the crown. That's a whole British thing. We we fought a war over this, Sam. All right, All right. you and Virginia. Yeah, sorry we to have make an this entire minor league baseball season. <laughs> to talk about this and so many others. Also, I just want to point out Golden. that I love. I, I love that there were um, short season teams involved in that poem today because they kind of get to be like the Michael Collins of this whole thing where it's like, all right, you guys all go out and have fun and we'll stay up here until June. <laughs> um, like, but I appreciate that. Like, nice job, Pulaski and Johnson City jumping in on the on the poem. It's it's not the night before your opening night, but still team players. Yeah, they're the, the happy league. They're celebrating their brothers of other affiliations. Exactly. Some Billy Collins action in there, too. Just to bring it back to the poetry. <laughs> when you said Michael Collins, I was like, Billy Collins is talking about Billy Collins? But no, I got it. All right, listen, we should sign Bill up, Collins? huh? Billy <laughs> Collins? Nick Collins, a kid I went to high to grade school with? Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode because nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, but for uh, for all of those kids in New York City and Los Angeles, California, Josh out west in L.A., Kelsey Hennigan and Sam Dykstra in New York, my name is Tyler Ron. Thanks for tuning in to the season preview episode of the show before the show. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy opening night across the minor leagues. Sorry, I had to jump in one uh, final time to say happy birthday, Sam Dykstra. It is Sam's birthday coming up on Sunday, and we all wanted to make sure to wish Sam Samuel C. Dykstra, as we all learned that Sam's middle name is actually Collins, which ties into our last conversation. Uh, Sam's birthday coming up on Sunday. Happy birthday, Sam. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's at Sam Dykstra, M-I-L-B. Wish him a happy birthday there, and uh, that's it. Talk to you next week.